welcome. Oh crap! That's the wrong podcast. Welcome, hey. welcome to Beer Thralls. Also the wrong <laughs> podcast. Oh, Wait, are there any others? Wait, this might actually be Gamers Lounge episode one forty one. What? Yeah. See, what's Fuck funny is, podcast. no matter how long you wait in between episodes and people think you've died, you actually get to keep with the numbering scheme if you want to. So you just do seasons, and then they just can't yell at you because you're like, oh, welcome to season five, episode one. It's because you guys forgot how to count. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Beer does that to you. So um, we're back. I got some people in the room. Uh, hopefully this will keep up at least one more episode after this, yes. and then I'll have to go to a pre-recording, and that's fine, but eventually I will browbeat Ben into coming over regularly. You're, you're, stretching, that, you're stretching that whole Benjamin. thing. Ben, ben, ben and not the rest of us? I, I am open for whenever any of you want to come over. John, they love you on the Gamers okay. Lounge, but we may have lost every listener, all but two. Okay. All but two. Well, you only had one. <laughs> you know, so. That's true. That's true. We have not lost our one listener, so that's good. See, that's how you stay humble, though, right? I don't have to be like beer thralls. I don't need, like, five listeners. I just need one. Dude, six. Thank you. <laughs> that's a lot more people you've got to keep happy, of, though. And most of them are actually beer thrall members. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still a little weird to me that you all listen to yourself. Oh, no, they don't. They just fast forward to get the counts up. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> So, we're going to talk about a couple of things today, but before we do that, I am Bill, your host, so if anybody who forgot, and who do I have with me today? Uh, my name is Benjamin. Short stack. <laughs> Short stack. You know, that used to be a lot more dangerous when I actually had a listener. Uh-huh. You're fine now. Oh, yeah, you no, got worried no about that being used on his podcast. Okay. Oh, we're getting him a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Still hasn't gotten back to with his name. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking for the art of somebody holding a measuring stick. A gnome holding a measuring <laughs> stick. Actually, if you come to Adepticon, we're going to have somebody that says you must be this tall to be on the podcast. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Who Who is that over there? <laughs> this is James. Uh, I'm Gator Tears from the Beer Thralls. Yeah, nobody knows what Gator Tears means because everybody on this podcast doesn't oh. actually... That, it the, still makes the sense, The listener though, doesn't actually, actually li- play that other, that game. Technically, I don't play that faction anymore, so... I still have it. It's you just, could honestly go with you don't play that game either because I've I seen how often on you Tuesday. play. <laughs> did, you, did you regret it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Actually, I didn't regret That's it. That's not a ranger endorsement, but, <laughs> but it was just like it was weird. It's like I haven't played for a year, and I'm like, actually, I'm, I haven't played for like six months, and um, it's like you get back into it, you're like, wow, I've forgotten so, so much. much. Yeah. And who else do we have over there? Hi, uh, this is John. And everybody knows John. They love his voice. Sure. I think it was honey coated. I don't know something. It was. It was almost a little spooky. It's, it's how I go to bed at night. I mean, just <laughs> listening to John. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure my wife has no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> Mine does. <laughs> I wanted to get together tonight to talk about Ethereum. And I actually had, did I hear correctly, Mr. Hacktivist Shortstack? Oh, God, you even threw the short stack in there. Yes, I am a hacktivist. That so you don't have a Molotov model? I don't have a Molotov. I have the car. Would you like a Molotov model? I would love to have a Molotov model, sir. You just want to pass it to me. Now you'll like, probably have to explain what the Molotov <laughs> model is. So, uh, Anvil 8, uh, the, the makers of Ethereum, um, they have uh, two games that they do at the moment. 
Uh, they have Ethereum, and then they have Frontline No Comrades. So uh, Frontline No Comrades is kind of set in a... Um, uh, Bolshevik, Bolshevik Revolution. Bolshevik Re okay. Revolution. <laughs> and uh, they have one character in there um, whose name is Tov. Uh, no, no, no. Her name's Molly. Molly, yeah. Molly and Tov. <laughs> Molly Tov. <laughs> and she is a Tov. And Ethereum has the, the Tov model, so they kind of mash the two together. And uh, let me tell you, she is a wonderful model. She she really is. She and is, it's of the, yeah. Yeah, it's the new plastic. And just because so. the listener can't see what we're looking at. Molotov is Molotov cocktail, um, and uh, she is uh, World War II uh, Russian soldier. Yeah, she's like yeah. in a World War II. She's she's in the art. She is a she is an attractive blonde girl dressed in a World War II yeah. soldier's yeah, nice. outfit, awesome. holding a bottle on fire, holding a Molotov. Which fits awesome. really well for. Uh, don't drop on the floor. It's a it's a Tov model. So the model Tov in Ethereum is kind of this uh, hooded, bare-chested anarchist. <laughs> yeah. With like two Molotov cocktails, he's about to hurl. I think the mm -hmm. way we were phrased it was the their uh, angry the, children. The, the angry the angry teenagers <laughs> were fire. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, I uh, I heard on. Uh, so next thing, anybody who listens to this podcast. We're going to go in a little bit. We did Ethereum when it launched almost three years ago. Uh, Some had of us. Brian. Um, I actually did a show. Oh, so yeah, there is a, yeah, there's yeah, a gamer's yeah. lounge out there talking about Ethereum. Uh, Brian and Chris have been... I, Brian and Chris, love Brian and Chris. They've The owners of Anvil 8 uh, have had them on the show multiple times. Um, not even just at conventions, but also on the show. So we're jumping back into Ethereum. We'll be talking a little bit about why this is appropriate as a topic for the podcast today, um, kind of for, for all of us. But to that end, I it would be remiss to say, because I listen, anybody who's interested in the factions should go out and go to the Beer Thralls, uh, wade through <laughs> the all of the Hordes and War Machine <laughs> stuff. And get uh, to the good stuff. Get to the I good know, stuff. Just, <laughs> if you actually go to... Um, Quantum Beer Break? So if you go to uh, com, I believe that's it, uh, you'll find there's a tab across the top that says Quantum Beer Break. And there it will list out all the Quantum Beer Break episodes, which the first episode is us talking to Anvil 8. And when they started talking, we were going to talk about Rummix. And they started talking about Zen and the Flatliners and the next and why And yeah. why that is amazing, and one of the reasons I love Brian and Chris so much, is Romix is the... So there's four factions for the game. We're going to hit this in the coming up here. Yep. Romix is the fifth, fifth faction that's not yet released. And they talked about the sixth, seventh, and eighth faction. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, should we, um, just for the listener's sake, since it's been a little bit, should we do a quick summary of what Ethereum is? That is actually, so, yes, and that's why I wanted to do the episode, actually, is there's some good episodes out there, like like the Beer Thralls one, that go into the factions. Um, people have different opinions, but I actually do want to jump back in to Ethereum. So, John, you brought it up. What okay. is Ethereum? What is Ethereum? Ethereum, um, correct me, you guys go ahead and correct me if you disagree with any of these points. So, Ethereum is a miniatures-based board game. Sure. Do we go ahead and say that much? Sure. I like that. It's, yes. it's, it's a hybrid between the two, to two. say the least. Yeah. Um, but you do go ahead and measure in squares as mm -hmm. opposed to using a, um, a ruler. 
you don't construct any terrain. Um, you go ahead and use everything that's provided in the game. Yes. And there is terrain, but there, don't think of it as 3D terrain. terrain. Mm-hmm. The terrain is defined by the boards that you set down. And this is important. Some really nice art on those boards, boards. too. And the, I think the terrain actually, I think the terrain follows the art really well. It does. And they incorporate it into <clears throat> the setup of the game. So that brings it into the strategy of the game. Because part of it is you are literally picking between the two of you what the battlefield both looks like and functions. Mm-hmm. Um, so a great example here is the two core factions that the game started with. Uh, you could be fighting inside of a temple of the one of the Axiom temples, or you could be fighting out in the burning streets where the Naname have rioted, or because this is a digital landscape, a mashup of the two. And then you can also add to that now uh, some of the corporate holdings of the Akaru. Which are a Japanese-style faction, which looks like a temple, Bill? It's more office of, buildings. Well, office buildings. Office buildings. Yeah, it's office okay. buildings and labs, and so the the real temple stuff. If you take a look, um, the 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 Axiom boards are very much uh, parks and big temple buildings. They're very and, clean. And yeah, very pretty. Right. And, oh yeah. The Akaru are there's lots of sort of. Rooms carved out of certain boards. There's uh, labs. There's uh, entire sections of armories. The there's there's a strip club. There's... No, actually, it's, it's, it's a boardroom. But the problem is, is that right. the boardroom is half of a boardroom. So it's like it's a semicircle around a table, and it looks like a freaking strip club. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a lot of, and then it's big atriums. Like the the atrium. Are they gonna write a scenario around that? I'm working on we, it. We should. <laughs> Everyone stops playing just sits around the side of the table. So, um, that's now, a prime mo- it's prime opportunity for a promotional model. Yes. Shameless plug. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so let me so John, you're talking about that. So it's a miniatures board game hybrid. I think t- in today's day and age, different from three years ago, different from five years ago, yeah. uh, when there have been other hybrids like this. Yeah. Lots of people now will go, oh, you mean like Dark Souls? Oh, you mean like Massive Darkness? Oh, you mean like Blood Rage? Yeah, so it's not co-op. It's competitive. And if we want to go ahead and throw the rest of the keywords in there, um, it's alternate activation. Yep. Um, And uh, what else do we we do? There's list building. There is list building. um, Dice-based resolution, but it's not dice by value. It's dice by sort of symbology, matching sets of symbols. Um, so it's not based off of getting one great roll off of one dice. It's based off of creating a pool and getting that pool to go ahead and match up across a list of abilities that are centric to one model. Right. Now, in the years that Ethereum, that Anvilate has been around and Ethereum has been out there, they have progressed to less multi-piece models. But when you buy these models, they are not pre-assembled. You do assemble them. There is that miniature tabletop wargaming hobby aspect of assemble your models, paint your models, base your models. Yep. And everything's still resin, isn't it? Uh, it's a, it's, it's sort of a resin be, plastic. It used to be, it, it used to be a it is plastic not, itself. It was just plastic. But it wasn't uh, like the, the first ones. The first ones were specifically troll forged resin. Okay. 
So And it was not great resin. Yeah. And it was really, really, really heavy on the mold release. But it wasn't the... Oh, yeah. You, you need to clean... Well, yeah. the old ones you need to clean models. So the new these ones are, are resin. These are they're, resin. They're the plastic they're really resin. nice resin. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not bendy. They're not... I mean, it's it's on the nice end of the resin. So a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of actually companies are going to this. It's a plastic resin mix. Yeah. So it's not really bendy, um, but it's not like the resin where it's very brittle. Yeah. Um, but the trick is stuff you get from <laughs> Cool Mini or not? No, correct. No. Yeah, and I've forgotten the technical name for that. It's sharper than that. I mean, yeah. this will hold nice detail. Yes, especially like uh, Mistrona from Axiom. She's got these little tiny embroideries. Yep, on the outside, and they are clean. They're clean lines. Oh, you yeah. do need to clean up the models with a bit of. Um, liquid soap and a toothbrush. I actually didn't even use liquid soap. I just hit them underneath the water with a tooth, uh, soft toothbrush and just kind of okay. brushed them off. All it right. worked fine. Yeah, I've, I've found... I mean, they've gotten so much better, better since the, troll. the I, first... I didn't have any of the... I don't think you only have one of the Troll Forge models. Um, and, and that wasn't a problem. And the new cast of the models are good, too. Mastrona's a good example. It yeah. used to be her... Uh, Mastrona is a model. She's she's a female priest model. Uh, she's got these priestly robes on and everything else. And she's holding a key, like a giant size of her arm key in one hand. It used to be you had to glue the key onto her oh arm. Oh, really? Yeah. My my original Mastrona, the one we play with that's painted, yeah, you actually have to glue the key on. Oh, I'm the sorry. The new one is all one piece. <laughs> so, I mean, like, they've come a long way in redoing yeah. their castings and stuff. Uh, the company's learned a lot in three years. But that's mechanically what the game is. Mm-hmm. What is Ethereum? And, and what makes it different from other games and what sort of draws you to it? So it's scenario-based, um, but we've got that. It's list building, alternate activation. The other thing that it that it brings into play, it has a unique sort of resource management, which is they call RAM, which lets you affect the board in ways that you can't with other games. It lets you, um, you have to sort of imagine there are tiles on the board that are almost like on a C, and you can move them around and rotate them. See, our hacktivist over here is taking notes from you, John, so he knows how to introduce this game. Actually, that's, that's a perfect way of describing it. It's yeah, like um, islands in, in an ocean. Yeah, so uh, what, what you have is you have the... The, a mat set down, and this mat is what is called the quantum noise. So it's kind of like this um, area of sort of it's unstable, instability. Un- yeah. un- yep. And in order for your models or you know the characters in the world and in the game to survive, uh, they have these uh, kind of stabilized tiles. And what you're doing called schemas, schemas. Yeah. And what you do is you play on these tiles, and these tiles that are in this sea of quantum noise. You can spend uh, the RAM resource that we mentioned to shift them across the the mat that you have, or rotate them around. But you can also use that same resource to gain additional move points or to activate additional abilities on your characters. Mm -hmm. So So you have to trade between the two, and you'll start to see this as we get deeper into the game. You have quantum noise. You have schemas. You your uh, base action points are. Uh, CS, remember what CS stands for? Clock speed. Clock speed. Uh, your additional abilities that you can spend RAM to get is OC. Overclock. Over your abilities are EXEs, dot EXEs, yep. and then you have safeguards. So the, so the quantum 
So that area, the Ethereum, is basically based on Windows. Ouch. <laughs> no, it's not, because the game doesn't crash halfway through and make you pick it all up. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless, you play, unless you play a hacktivist and then it does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, the game doesn't oh, crash no, halfway through. Um, so the, the, the fluff behind it is, uh, the at some point they discovered that it was a, there was a layer uh, beneath Adam's quantum. Yep. So, and it was, they, all, the, they had a spin, positive spin, negative spin, which computers is basically on off. So they've discovered a way to put your mental capacity into this gigantic computer which is basically the universe and very specifically whatever this connection was this universe was specifically what allows quantum resonance across the world yes so you're not playing you you're playing a program so i think ready player one you are playing a collective a collective right which is a group of programs um so think ready player one where like you Plug on the headset, yep. jump into the game, think Matrix. Yep. Um, it's that kind of thing. So you're not actually in it. It's just you're kind of you're in a program that you're kind of controlling. You're puppeting. Around. And what I what I loved uh, what the guys used originally for the pitch of the game was imagine if the Matrix and Inception had a baby, and you play that game. Mm. Right. Yes. Oh, if they could do the 3D, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Go ahead. The other thing, too, is that it has a set time limit. So right. every game has a set time limit. Um, what is it, five? So you, and this goes back to the more computer terms. So there, a, there's a couple of things we have to describe to get to the time limit. And then it all makes it very easy. Yeah. The mm-hmm. first thing is you have what's called a pad, a program activation deck. Mm-hmm. Each of your sets of models or units, which could be a single model or could be multiple models in a unit, is a program. So we're taking somewhere, typically you take between three and five programs in a game. Um, a lot of times it's just five. But, you take five. Um, you know, kind of starter games, you can take three. Those programs, you're going to build a program activation deck or a pad, which is the set order your programs will activate in. When you finish activating, you will recalibrate your programs, and you will move up a recalibration counter and do some other things, which we'll get into. And when the majority of games, pretty much every, yeah, I can definitively say right now, every one of the scenarios that's currently out there provided for the game ends when both players have recalibrated five times, completed five recalibrations. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get later on and talk about some strategy, we'll talk about the impact of those calibrations. But that's where that recalibration and set time comes from. So this is also important because part of the game is, think of it as, I'm going to use Windows. So you have Windows open and you have like five programs running. As soon as one of your programs is deleted, gone, close it, which means now you're only activating four programs, which means you're cycling your deck faster, which means you're recalibrating faster. We'll come back to that with so, the, yes. with some strategies. And you also get another point of your resource. Yeah, right. you get right. your resources. Yep. So, okay, so that's 
Ethereum as a whole, right? We have we have this quantum space, and fluff-wise, what's effectively happened is dystopian future. Everything is horrible. Corporations have taken over. San Francisco has gone brain dead. No, really, in the fluff, San Francisco it's, it's goes brain dead. dead. Um, there has been massive wars. In fact, there I think there's been three trade wars, two or three trade wars at this point. No governments, really? um, no yeah. real governments anymore. Um, Akaru kind of. Although there are some questions. Well, no, no, no. Akaru is a corporation. No, they control lots of corporations. Right, right. They're a, yeah. they're a conglomerate. Um, so and. What you have is you've entered this world and people, like in Ready Player One, which people right now, listen, the listener will probably be familiar with, either from the book reviews or from the fact the movie's coming out soon. Pause. Go watch the trailer. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, go read the book. We'll oh, wait. Go read the book. Holy mackerel. But, um, so you have people that are fleeing to the Ethereum. However... All commerce and business is conducted in the Ethereum. In fact, some people are effectively living their whole lives plugged into the Ethereum. So you have these areas of the Ethereum because the Ethereum is dangerous. When scientists first unleashed human minds into the Ethereum, people went crazy, brain dead, and died. Yeah. And ultimately, and that was all unleashing people in the quantum noise, Ultimately, they ended up finding what they called a node, which was sort of an anchor point. A calm area in the a sea. A calm area in the sea, a calm mm-hmm. area in the quantum noise. And it's an anchor point created by, we don't really know who, and... Natural phenomenon. The area, the calm area around the nodes, the natural phenomenon, possibly, big heavy quotes, um, the, the calm area around the nodes started to take on aspects of the humans that were spending time there. So if the humans back in the real world were used to seeing city streets and things like that, it would start to form into looking like city streets and the outsides of buildings and shops and things like that. And humans... Studied the, you know, from a fluff standpoint, they studied these nodes, and ultimately some companies and scientists figured out how to create almost nodes, which they call pylons, which can anchor more and create more of this calm space. The Rexcon Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. What used to be called the Rexcon, Rexcon Corporation. Corporation. <laughs> so, so. Guess where they were stationed out of? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have is you have this sort of growing area um, of calmness. Cities are starting to form up, but it's growing into this space of quantum noise. Mm-hmm. And there are still wilds of quantum noise out there, which will be important when we do a high-level overview of some of the factions. Um, now, all that said, the game itself has, today, four factions available. So you can play different factions. There's a really good starter box out there that I think I think the starter box has like half of two of the factions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the major or yeah, I'd say half of uh, two of the factions, um, if not just shy of half. Yeah. Uh, can't do them. And then there's two other complete factions that you can do. Now, before we dive into the factions mm-hmm. and the stories behind them, I want to talk about the mechanics of the game. So that then we can talk about how the factions interact with those mechanics and the game itself. So, hey, Ben. Yes, Bill. What are the different resources in Ethereum? So, Ethereum has many different resources. Uh, Some of them we've already gone over. So, um, the main resource that lets you be able to just 
do things with your models is clock speed. Um, so each model in the game has their own associated clock speed values. And then you can also... Um, <clears throat> can I have uh, a beer? Oh. <laughs> here, here, I'll pass you this beer. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll take this one. Thank you. Cheers. You, you have a cap. <laughs> but, um, the noise you're hearing are the beers that are from Scotland being popped open because the beer thralls cannot podcast without beer. <laughs> but there are no beer thralls here. Oh, there's two. <laughs> But, Go ahead. So, yeah, CS, so, <laughs> and every model has CS. So, every model has CS. And then there's a secondary resource that uh, we also went over before, RAM. Um, RAM can be used for many different things. Another, uh, one of the main things you'll be using it for is you can overclock a model. Uh, models will have a second stat called overclock. It is equal to how much RAM you can spend into that model, and that model will get an extra CS for every uh, RAM that you spend. Um, RAM, besides letting you have your models be able to do more things by having more clock <coughs> speed, um, RAM is also used to um, interact with the tiles in the game. So you can have it to move tiles, rotate tiles. Um, so so there's, there is, and that's incredibly important because I think it's one of the biggest innovative mechanics in the game. Oh, yes. Right? So... You have these schemas, these tiles set up in the game. We're deployed on them because, as they say, the floor is lava. Mm-hmm. So don't step off the schema. For some of us. Yeah, <laughs> things will happen. We'll get to that when we no, talk no, to that. The, the floor is lava. Looks <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like lava. <laughs> um, right? So, and one of the things that you can do is you start to slide these schemas around. Mm-hmm. Right? And as you slide a schema, anybody who's on that schema moves with it. Anybody that the schema slides across who's out in the quantum noise gets picked up on the schema and then they move with it. Mm-hmm. The other nice thing, and I don't know if you've seen this in your demos yet, um, so a hacktivist is like a pundit or a press ganger or oh, there's no such thing as press gangers no anymore. Press gangers or anymore. an outrider. Oh wait, there's no such thing as outriders anymore. Um, uh, uh, so they're, yeah. they're a volunteer that yeah, does demo volunteer, stuff. volunteer um, for uh, demos to promote uh, Ethereum. But one of the things, and you'll have to tell me if you've seen it in your demos, is that great moment when somebody realizes I'm way across a schema from that other, or I'm on this schema on the edge of that schema, and the guy's all the way on the other side. Wait, I can pick his whole schema up, spin it around, and now all those people that were nine, eight, seven spaces away from me are right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm also in their back arc. Oh, yeah, it's interesting to see how different people approach this. So, you know, at the start, they'll just use it to say, hey, I'm just going to move this tile that my guys are on to get closer to these other tiles. And then suddenly you'll see people go, well, uh, well, the rules for it is that you can move any tile that you control or any tile that is not controlled by an opponent. So you'll see people start by going, oh, I control this tile, so I'm going to shift it. And then kind of level two picks up, and they'll go, oh, hey, that tile that the enemy's on, but he doesn't control it. I'm going to scooch that away to well, keep my model safe. And then kind of level three Oh, wow. Is, I always saw, I'm going to push me towards you. Oh, wait. I'll pull you towards me. me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of, then people start getting into the whole idea of, I can rotate these things. And in this game, back arc is a thing. You yes. get bonuses for attacking the back arc. So you'll see people go, oh, I have all these ranged snipers, and they can do a lot of damage. I want to do even more damage. Let's take this tile, and let's rotate it 180 degrees. Hey, look, I have a whole bunch of models in front of me, all, you know, facing the other way. (laughs) I've had things where it's just like, man, there's quantum, like, 
there's quantum noise between us. I can't fire across that. I'm going to slide you, your schema, one yep. step closer. I shoot you. I slide it I back. Just, <laughs> yep, and now go away. And now, now have mm-hmm. fun. You can't see me. So, But RAM is a limited resource. Yes. Yes. So so what can models do? In a, like in a turn, when I activate a model, so it's, I think, John, you mentioned, it's alternating activation. And we use this program activation deck to figure out what's going to activate. Which is kind of interesting, and I'll point out, because if John and I are playing a game... I look at the models he has on the table. I look at his programs and everything. And now I have to kind of guess at the order he's going to activate and make my plan at the beginning of the game, the beginning of my turn, really, on what I'm going to do and what order and hope it interacts appropriately with John's plan. Right. And as programs get deleted, meaning that models or units get killed, your pad gets shorter. So the two of you may not be refreshing your playlists at the same time. Right. And when you recalibrate, which is that running out of your pad, that's when you get RAM back. Yes. Which lets you affect the board. Yeah. So uh, RAM, we said it's a limited resource. You get it at the start of every recalibration. You'll get a certain amount based on many factors, such as who is the head of your collective that you're running. Your avatar. Your yep. avatar. Um, and then you'll also have uh, the nodes and pylons that we mentioned earlier that are in the fluff or actual mechanics in the game. Um, controlling those, you will get more for that. So it's an incentive to, you know, control those as you'll get more RAM to play with um, and be able to... And if you spend your clock speed to take those over... You deny your opponent from being able to. Right. It's a finite finite ability of RAM on the board. Yeah, for some of them, because not all schemas have a node or a pylon on them. Mm -hmm. So so some of them are always up for grabs. So that brings us back to, like, what can models do? Uh, So models can do many different things. um, And one of the great parts about Ethereum is there is no set order of okay, my activation starts, I have to move first, or I have to... Are you to, sure? Um, you can... Yeah? Yeah. You can attack and then move. You can. You can, do, you can move and do an EXE, then move again. Sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some models have special so there, rules. Yeah, so, so there's, there's a couple different types of models, and that's where I was going with that, right? Mm-hmm. So you have your avatar, which pretty much everybody plays with one. Yes. Um, that's the default, and your avatar is sort of your commander, if you will. It's your most powerful, most reliable piece. You have functions, which are typically single model programs, similar to the avatar, typically. And again, they, they're gonna you're typically gonna play with two of those. They're then sort of have, heroic. Yeah, they're yeah. sort of heroic. Yeah, they're your champions. Yeah. Um and they're sort of at that power level. Then you have subroutines, which are sort of the, the dudes. They're your troops. Your units and squads. Your squads. Yeah. Almost all of them are some sort of squad, whether it's two or five or uh, three, 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 three. five. Uh, I think there's. there's I, I want to say there's a six. I'm not sure. There's a two. My 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 ninjas tonight. Oh, that's right. Your two. ninjas are two. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that stops a subroutine from being only a single model. It's just how it's been developed how it's so been far. developed so far. And the key is there's two different types of subroutines which is where I was going. Uh, one is called oh, linked, yeah. one is called segmented. <laughs> a segmented every model in a segmented subroutine, so that type of program 
gets to operate individually or independently. That has pluses and minuses, which means they all get to make their own attacks, but each one, once it starts, has to complete what it's doing before the next one gets to do something. Linked programs must do all of their movement at once because of the special type of movement that they do, and they must do all of their attacks. They can't move, attack, move, or move, exe, move, or attack, exe, attack. Well, yeah. So, So manifestation is a thing. Manifestation basically is you move, and then the re- like you move one model, and the rest program. of the model kind of just like groups, like teleports and groups Materialize. around it. Materializes. Um, so a segmented program is basically just like uh, like Riot Girls. Well, just those move. They do all their stuff. Activate the next one. It does all its stuff. Activate the last one. It does all its stuff. Something like the Praetorians, which are a link program. They move. One of them moves. One of them moves. They all kind of like materialize next to it. Materialize does not change facing. It just move. It just pick it up, move it next to your yep. the one that moved, and then they do. And then one one attack. of them attacks. So um, it is a link program is also different from a segmented program because a segmented program is I damaged that one. A link program goes that I damaged model. that that model. The link program goes, I damage that group. That program, right. Whole group. And the owner decides which actual models get removed yes. once you do enough damage to remove right. a model. So which, segmented, you're right, link programs have every, you know, there's a certain number of, there's a threshold per model within the program. Once you cross that threshold, the program's not dead, but the model's gone. Right. And the, and the damage just keeps rolling over. Which is important because you get to choose what model you remove. So, like, in our game, I had a special thing, talk about disruption, uh, where it goes, hey, I do damage, and then I get to do other damage on top of it. Right. But the problem was, is that I did enough damage to kill a model. He was just like, well, I'll just remove the one that's standing in front of you, instead of, like, this one in the back. And I'm like, oh, well, my now my target's gone. Yeah, I and can't I trigger can't that trigger the other thing that yeah. the other happening. Exactly. So it becomes a, a kind of a thinking game of, well... I can remove this model that he attacked, but if I remove this one from the back, I can attack back because I know on my pad, they're coming up next. And listen, I, I will say this is one of the things I really like about the game. Really basic mechanics, right? Yeah. The basic mechanic is, with this type of program, take the damage, mark the boxes off in this prescribed way. When you cross a color, pick a model up. Yep. Easy. Except the tactics suddenly go, oh, wait. If I pick that model up and I look at this other ability and I see what, oh, hey, lots of depth, easy mechanic. Were you talking safeguards now? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. So, so going back to you were on, right? They, they can do certain things. They yeah. can, right? They can move. They can, you can inter, intersperse. So how does moving work? Like I start my activation with a program. Yeah. So uh, the way that moving works, uh, I'll start with um, a uh, non-linked program, so a segmented program or a program that has just one model. Right, in a it, function or an avatar or something like that. So what, what will happen is that uh, you have your clock speed, so those sort of action points I was talking about earlier. You can move one square by spending one action point. Uh, one important thing in this game is you can move diagonally. And also in the game, there is various terrain that you can have a rough terrain, which is resistors, resistors yep. going with, you know, further um, the computer theming to force you to spend more CS uh, to be able to move and such. So that's 
how a non um, link program or an avatar. A... Now, how does a link program differ? So, so link programs are interesting how they move. It's you you spend clock speed like normal. You pick one of the models in the link program. Any of them. Any of them. You have to do the complete movement of where you want it to move. Then what will happen is no matter where all of the other models in that program are, they suddenly get picked up off the table and you place them adjacent to that model that you have just moved. Um, now, adjacent's kind of important, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you have to place them. And specifically, it's adjacent to the, the model, model that moved yeah. without a special rule. Okay, so I guess this is the good point to put Pretty much everything we say from here on out should be caveated with, without a special rule. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because that is one thing that this game does, is they've created the basics, we're going to talk about the basics, and then every faction has some way to special rule break the rules. So, if we look at like something like Legion, uh, Star Wars Legion, you move a model using the stick, and everything kind of snaps around it. If you look at like Privateer Press, you move the models individually. This one, when you do a link program... You move that one model, and when we say adjacent, it could be a square in front of that model. Sure. So, so it's like, oh, I'm... Diagonal's good. Diagonal's good. Or, I want to attack that guy, but he is one space off. Oh, wait, I'm a link program. I run up to, to be two spaces out, and I move the guys in front of me. Now, here's the challenge, though. Let's say, for example, I've moved up, and the... Two spaces, two of the three spaces in front of me, right? Because now we're looking at three spaces in front, one to each side, mm -hmm. three spaces Isn't behind. That? So let's say where I've chosen to move to my one model, and I have four more models to move into the space. Let's say two of the spaces in front of me have enemy models in it. Okay. One of them has an obstruction that fills the space, so I can't put anything in there. Uh, the square to my left has an obstruction. The square to my right is open and how I walk to my space, and the three squares behind me are quantum noise. Or two of the three squares behind me are quantum noise. Don't, what happens then? Don't move there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why not? It seems like a perfect spot to make my attacks, right? Tell us what happens. Well, I'm, I'm asking you, Hacktivist. <laughs> uh, some people are going to be taking some quantum noise damage, yeah, exactly. I'll tell you that. So much. again, you must go adjacent. You, yeah. Even though you may be able to put somebody to the right and then span other people out, you can't. It has to be adjacent to the model you moved. So if you can't... The extra models get deleted. They get deleted. Yep. Yeah, so... Like, you, if you move into a space where you have enemies or whatever all around you, you put the models... The models that can go adjacent do... And they must, yeah. even uh, unless there's no way to put them there, and then every other model you can't place Just is gone. gone. It also means you have to be careful with your movement on length. So, so again, it's really cool. You get all these benefits. Ooh, I can move up and get extra movement. Ooh, I can move up and pop people into the rear arc of whoever I'm oh, going yeah. after and mm -hmm. all these good things. But you also have to be careful. You leave enough room for everybody to get to where you're going. Nothing hurts worse than going, oh, I just killed my own model. <laughs> right. Um, now, James? Yes? Why would you choose not to move there instead of just popping the people in quantum noise? That can't be that bad, right? I mean, the floor is lava, but not really, right? I play Resex. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, so, remember the caveat. <laughs> right. As opposed to special <laughs> rules. Um, so, quantum noise is horrible. If you are running, a, say, like um, a function, which is a single model, and they go into the quantum noise, you roll a die. Well, let's be clear. 
It doesn't matter if you're running a function or not. Well, Any we'll, model we'll that about, enters quantum yeah, we'll noise. We'll talk about a single model first. They go into the quantum noise. They roll a dice. You check on that die. So it is. you can only do it once. It only happens when you enter or end an activation. Per, it, it affects you once per activation. Right. And it only happens if you enter or end, end. an activation in the quantum noise. Yep. So there is... Quantum noise hopping. Per activation. Per activation. Which means <laughs> you can hop, which is like, oh, there's a space between us. I can't do anything about it. Let's test this theory. And you can kind of skip across real quick. But you take damage. When you roll a die, you check on the damage chart. What's the damage chart look like? Oh, it looks horrible. <laughs> is it like three, five, seven dead? So most people are like, <laughs> most people like will look at like link programs and subroutines. They have like maybe four boxes. Three to four boxes three per to four model. Three to four boxes per model. They're starting at damage of three. Right. Um, you're looking at functions, about ten boxes. If, sure. At max. Mm-hmm. You know. So you're looking at max damage, seven. Oh, wait, except for the skull. Dead. Which the skull just <laughs> says, oh, you have how many boxes? I don't care, dead. Which is important, because remember when we said link programs kind of all snap together? If you roll a skull on a link program... Not only that model is dead. Dead. Every <laughs> model in that function is dead. So it becomes a, oh, not only did I kill that one model, I just killed the other four. So people should start seeing the complexity here. We've talked about attacks, and we're going to get to attacks mm-hmm. in a second. We've talked about abilities, right, EXEs. We're going to get to that in a second. But already you can start to see even just pushing people around, repositioning people is incredibly effective to begin with if you can position them into the quantum noise. And the reason I kept saying activation is because, well, you activate and you walk into the quantum noise and you take it and you're like, oh, well, it only happens once. I rolled, I took three points of damage. Except now it's my activation. If I happen to push you again, even if you're already in quantum noise, if I push you into another quantum noise square, you have entered a quantum noise square during an activation, which is mine. There's a lot of models that do, I push you one square. Yeah. Now, that doesn't sound horrible. I mean, oh, one square, whatever. But when you push that one model into the quantum noise, that could be the end of an entire program. It could just be, oh, you're taking away three-fourths of their health. Or it could just be like, you know, Oh, it's terrible. Yep. Oh, you're going to start your activation? You have nowhere to go because I moved all the schemas too far away from you? So there's the next thing. Quantum noise blocks line of sight mm-hmm. is and is a resistor, so it's difficult terrain. And there's effects that can create quantum noise on schemas. Quantum noise and something called a quantum break. Which is yeah. lesser. Which is lesser. Think, right. of it, think of it as this. Uh, quantum noise is a giant pit of evil. And quantum break <laughs> is a little puddle. He's is kind of like it's a the crack. Pool of it. it's, kind of, it's like a kiddie pool of evil. <laughs> I I like that. I think I would have gone with quantum noise as a rip in reality. Quantum break is reality rubbing thin. Mm. Yeah. One's lava and one's a campfire. Like one's lava and one's a campfire. Like pool of evil better. Yeah, kiddie pool of evil. Okay, so so models can move. Mm-hmm. And we've spent that much time talking oh, about yes. movement and the things that <laughs> yeah. impact it. Is there anything else I can do with my CS? Oh, sure. Or so, my overclock, which turns into CS? Mm-hmm. So not only can they move, uh, but also they have EXEs, which we kind of went over earlier. 
Uh, EXEs are the abilities, you can think of it as abilities. abilities or yeah. spells or however you want to think of it. Um, they Which are most of them you got to pay for actions. though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Special actions that they can take that are unique to uh, certain models. They will all have different values of how much CS they will cost. Different uh, models they can target. Different. Some are for damage purposes. Some are for support. So it's their abilities they have to pay for. Not some are movement, mm-hmm. right? I mean, riot girls are a really, a really good one to. Oh yeah, riot yeah. girls have one that says "I go where I wish," and they literally just get to go where they want. They walk where they want. Mm-hmm. Or you have his freaking fly guy, which is just like, oh, by the way, every within ten. Which, by the way. N boxes is a lot. This game is huge. The large large schemas are nine boxes. Yeah. So yeah, he just goes, "Hey, all my friendly guys, just move a spot. Yep. Just go ahead." Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, so you can use these abilities. That's that's kind of cool. Um, how much does it cost to attack? Attacks are completely free, but you're only allowed one attack per turn. Depending on the model, some models, like we said before, the caveat. There are models that break the rule, but generally, you can only make one attack. Ben is only saying that because he got to suffer three attacks from a single model tonight. God, I hate that model so much. Zero, because that's how much respect you have for him until you play him once. Uh, (laughs) How many attacks can he make? Oh, not his namesake. Three. Uh, (laughs) So. So, okay, so I can move by spending CS. I can do some EXEs, which are spells or abilities, by doing CS. I need to be careful where I move, and then I get to attack. Or I can attack and then move. Yeah. Sounds pretty simple. Mm -hmm. No. No, it (laughs) (laughs) It actually sounds completely horrible. But the first, like, so when I uh, did the demo, if you're going to be at Adepticon, they're going to be at Adepticon. You um, should get a demo this game. You should get a demo. Um... You look at the game and you're just like, there is so much going on. Do you feel that way? Do you, you feel when like I it first, presents wait, overwhelming? When I, when I first played it, I went, there's a lot I have to keep track of. I have to keep track of the pad, the RAM, the CS, the overclock. I've got to make sure that I don't go into quantum noise. I can shift things around. I can pick up entire boards and turn them around if I wanted to. Tell me that's not the coolest ability in this that game. That is amazing. Right? But... <laughs> It's, it seems overwhelming. And when we talk about it, it go, you go, your Michi are probably going, wow, that is an awful lot in a game. But once you play, like, your second game, it's just like, oh, I can just do all this stuff. Like, every single model has the same base. I can move. I can attack based on my CS. I can and if do, I have any CS left, I can do something on the back of my else. card. I can, I, can, I can sit there and do absolutely nothing and just cast my abilities... Using my CS, I can sit there on my activation, just pick up some stuff and move it if I wanted to, or I can do all this awesome stuff. It really comes down to once you play the game once, all the stuff we're talking about is come second nature. Yep. It's that easy. Now let me ask this because I, I did want to get into we've talked in depth about everything except for attacking. And I wouldn't want people to think that all this development went into Oh my god, Ram to move the tiles, and they developed all these different levels for that. <laughs> and then, oh my god, look at the moving and the CS spend expenditure for moving and abilities, and they spent all this time developing that, and then they went, eh, attack. Is it really just, eh, attack, or is there more to it than that? Depends on the faction you play. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. Every faction, it is not, eh, attack. So, so attacking has... 
three technical components to it. Yes. So your first component is you're going to roll a certain number of dice, and your attack is either going to be melee or range, just like you would imagine, and there's going to be damage thresholds. But let's stop and talk about damage thresholds Actually, for a moment. We'll step through the process <laughs> of an attack. The first one is check range and check line of sight. So there are some things on the board that are cover, yep. uh, obstructions, uh, resistors. Other so models. Other models. So basically, you look from two... Uh, <coughs> One to two. It's one to two. So you look from one point on your edge of the model, and you draw a line, or draw two lines, to two points of another model. If there's nothing that intersects those lines, you are completely within line of sight, and you're perfectly fine. If it's cover, you lose a die. So you're rolling three dice on an attack. So what's cover? Cover Benjamin. is... So we'll go for the... the uh, not Manet, because I can never say that right. Uh, <laughs> the tile, which has a burning car. It has a bunch of smoke coming off of it. That's obscurement. That, that's that an obstruction. Obstruction. So, obstruction and cover are two uh, separate things. God, I always get this wrong. So, an obstruction is, is a feature that is naturally on the board. What an obstruction does is simply a square that says you cannot draw a line of sight through this tile. A piece of cover is a... Enhancement that comes from abilities innate in the model. So you will not actually deal with any cover in the game unless a model generates cover. That's more important. This is why I'm not a hacktivist. <laughs> so uh, it will remove a die. So you're rolling three dice on an attack. Uh, wow. Cover will uh, remove a die. Obstructions will say you cannot attack. Correct. Um, so you go, oh, line of sight. Which, by the way, you can check at any time during your movement. It's not like you get to the end of your movement and then you check it. It's just you look. Um, so if there's if it intersects, you're screwed. You can't attack that person. Melee, that's pretty easy. You're right next to the person or kind of close to them, depending on the Well, range. you're adjacent to them. Most people are adjacent, once again. You're adjacent to them by the basic rules. <laughs> Caveat. So, so this is, I mean, and this is something, going back to that line of sight thing, just to clarify, and, and that's why I wanted to pull out the book just to make sure that I'm very clear on how this goes, because it's kind of interesting. In a lot of games, you'll have, like, partial line of sight or cover or things like that, right? Which means, let's take the example here. I take a point on my base, any point. I just pick a point. I draw two equal lines from that point to the two two corners of my target space. And if any part, if either of those lines crosses at all, something that would block a line of sight, a model, an obstruction or whatever, but I can still see part of their base, it might be okay. In this game, either everything is clear inside that triangle that you've imaginary drawn, or it's not. And if it's not, you can't see them. Yep. But you get to pick the two corners you're drawing to, and you get to pick the point on your base. And that is a universal rule for everything. So unless there's a rule that says, hey, just ignore line like of sight. <laughs> that, that's why that's we made, everything. <laughs> that's why we made that, that disclaimer earlier on. Okay, so so, so you're, you, you determine line of sight, right? Mm -hmm. You determine range. Yep. And if those two are met, you attack. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yay! How do I start? You throw something at your opponent, and they fall. Oh, wait, no, that's not how you play a war machine. Um, yeah. But um, the way... So when you've gotten to this point... Uh, you pick up three dice, right? You pick up three dice. Why three? 
Like, like my model is clearly an attacking guy, so I must get more dice, right? So the way that it works is the way that you determine how well the attack is perceived is you roll three dice, but you have three damage thresholds of... But like I said, I'm an attacking guy. Like, I have Super Mr. Nanime punchy bag beat your face in. Mm -hmm. So clearly because he's a melee guy, when he gets up close to you, I don't just pick up three dice like Mr. Wimpy computer hacker. (laughs) Right? I mean, I must get three or four or five or six dice because isn't that how it works in in games like this? Is the people who are good at attacking get more dice? So, no. Because... No. It's always three (laughs) dice. Until we get to the modifiers. Until you get to modifiers. The base dice pool is always three. Three. Um, But your damage thresholds can be very very different. different. Oh, yeah. Remember, so your dice is three, your damage thresholds are three. You have a light, you have a medium, and you have a heavy. And there's four symbols on a dice. Yep. You have, let's call it power. The power symbol, the the universal IT power symbol. symbol. Let's call it switch, sort of like a hashtag, pound. Uh, there's a, uh, little chip. lightning chip. bolt, or there's... There's a chip. There's a chip. chip is next. Yep. And then there's a lightning, lightning bolt. bolt. And there's and a there's, skull. And then and there's then skull. skull. Which is, there's one skull, there's... On a 12-sided dice. Yeah, 12-sided dice. There's... There's four, no blank sides. There's four powers? I'd have to look. So, it, it, it actually goes, the most, uh, things on a dice is the power. That is the most, is next to its highest is chip. Sur, uh, the surge, surge. Uh, symbol. And then skull. And then there's one skull. And let's just dissect a card real quick here, right? And and I know everybody's like, oh, don't read the card. We can't see this. This is going to be very simple. Okay? So let's say, let, let's for our first card, we're going to take don't choose that one. Don't the mask. <laughs> uh. Now the mask says power symbol, chip, skull. Yes. In that order. In that order, power symbol, chip, skull. And then next to it, it says four, six, ten. Yes. Decipher that for me. So, I'll actually let the activist hit. Because I'm going to drink my beer. <laughs> so, what will happen is you'll roll, you'll roll dice. Yep. You'll get certain amount of symbols on it. And what you will do is you will match the symbols on your dice to the symbols that are on their card. Right. An important thing is you cannot overlap symbols. So say you roll three dice with the mask, and we stated that he has power as one of his symbols, and you roll three power, and you're like, yes, I'm going to do lots of damage. The way that damage thresholds... One match. Yeah. The way that damage thresholds are is that it's... You can think of it binary. You either have that symbol, or you don't have that symbol. So if you have rolled three power, you have a power symbol... You get the low. Good for you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Um, another it's important still mask. You're still doing a shit ton of Another important thing to know is that these are not. It is not a. You have to get these symbols in this order. So say right. we're going with the the mask. The mask has in order. He has a power symbol. He has a chip symbol. Then he has a skull. Let's say you rolled chip chip skull. You, uh, you will be able to do his medium damage threshold, even though you didn't get the first symbol. Why? Which is the power symbol. Because I matched two. You matched two yeah, of them. Yeah, because you matched right. two of the symbols. And I think that's one of the things that new players miss a lot. I know one of our one of our long-lost uh, uh, players, Dixon, like really struggled with that because he kept going, 
oh man, I just rolled all, you know, switches and skulls. I don't get anything. I get zero. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The other switch to that was, I rolled a skull, I do heavy. Right. It's like, no, no. you rolled one symbol. Right. So you're doing matching here, yeah. right? And, and the matching is irregardless of order. But if you match one of the symbols, you get light. If you match two of any of the symbols, you get you know medium. And if you match three, you get heavy. But, but then wait, there's this little there's more. There's this yes, little there's, gear. there's another symbol on the dice. Yeah, What's around little... some of this stuff. Like sometimes yeah. there's power, and then there's power with a gear around it. Mm. What does that mean, John? That's um that's disruption, right, guys? That is disruption. disruption. And and each attack has a number of disruption symbols. And if you go ahead and get those disruption symbols, you trigger another ability besides. Straight damage. So a great example is the mask has something under, you know, when you read his attack, it says it's a melee attack. Then you have something called backstab with two disruption symbols, which means that as regardless of whether I have actually matched any of the symbols in his yes. attack, as long as I get two disruptions, the disruption will activate. Now, that doesn't mean it's actually going to work. Let's take the mask, for example. The mask says, if this model attacks an enemy model while in its rear arc, then add two to the total amount of damage dealt. The problem is, if I don't actually, let's say I roll three, three dice. Uh, I'm going to tell you in the rear arc, so, so four dice. we're going to get to that. Let's say I roll my four, in his case, five dice. Let's say I roll my <laughs> dice. We think the most horrible person is going to back No, no, but I mean, let's say basics, yeah. right? So I roll my three dice, and I get all switch uh, surge symbols. Yes. But all three have a disruption on them. Cool. Then I'm going to add two to my damage of, oh, wait, Zero. I match nothing. Nothing. Mm. Yes, so you do two damage. No. You do yeah. zero. It's actually not a zero. It's a null. I don't actually oh, do damage. That is correct. Yes. Yes. You do zero. You do null I do damage. do null damage. So null, null is not plus zero. two is right. Null plus two is null. Yes. Um, so that's one of the keys. Like some of the disruptions, a lot of the disruptions will say, after dealing damage, yes. do blah. Some of them say, after damage is applied. After damage is applied. So if I've done no damage, I've applied no damage, I continue on. So there's right. a couple of ResX ones that say, after damage is applied, apply a quantum uh, break damage. Right. Which now, is... Okay, I did no damage to you, but hey, you're going to take some damage. Anyway. There are disruptions out there that say after the attack is resolved, yeah, do this. Those are really cool. Other ones just say uh, there's a program out there called Riot Girls. They have a really cool one. As long as you get one disruption, it says once per attack roll, after rolling the die, combat dice, but before damage is applied, you may re-roll. Any of the dice, or all of the all dice, so, all the dice. Oh, I got a null. I actually got no symbols, but I have a disruption. Let me re-roll. Let me right. re pick up all those dice and re-roll. So that's a really important thing to say about the disruptions. Now, that's all on the attack. So that's cool, because I just wandered up, I declared an attack, I pick up my dice, and of course, I should just go ahead and roll them. There's nothing that would stop me, or nothing I need to ask my opponent before I roll my dice, right? <laughs> <laughs> So there's this wonderful thing called safeguards. So when you do your attack, there are other factors you need to think about, which is the safeguards. So every model in the game, or every program in the game, they have a thing called a safeguard, which activates when an enemy model attacks them. So they aren't just sitting ducks, uh, because there's no sort of 
innate armor or defense values in the game. When a model attacks you, you just take the brunt of the attack. To be able to defend against that, to make attacks not as deadly or crippling, they have these innate defensive actions that happen once they have been attacked and taken damage from an enemy model. They are called safeguards. Now, these safeguards become really important because, one, every model in the game has a safeguard. Whether or not they apply is different. <laughs> every model in the game has a safeguard. Number two, safeguards don't go off, typically, if you got killed by the attack. They yes. go off in response to attack. However, some safeguards will say in the safeguard, do this even if the model was killed or mm -hmm. deleted in this case. Three... In general, the safeguard. In general, the safeguards really are there to safeguard you. So they do something. Like there are some that'll say this model can't be attacked again for the rest of this turn, or this model, you know, this model moves away, or this model decreases all the damage yeah. it takes. Actually, if you look at something like so, it, the safeguard can actually affect a attack before you roll it. So, like, say, like Riot Girls, yep. Riot Girls say, oh, my safeguard is you roll one less dice. So instead of rolling three naturally, you're rolling two. You're rolling two. Now, some other safeguards, like our friend Tov and Molly Tov, Ugh. say, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and take extra damage when you do damage to me because screw me. But you get this other bad thing. But you get this other bad yeah. thing. Here's this horrible, yeah. horrible thing. But that's kind of the interesting thing of safeguards is there's many different flavors of safeguards. Yes. So you have these standard or common among many models. You have a safeguard that is, in some way, I'm going to be making myself safer or take less damage. But you'll have a model like Tov, where Tov <coughs> says, I'm going to take an extra damage from this attack. That hurts. But I get to do something offensive to you, which is he puts a condition on the opponent. Right. So he... And there really are all different types of safeguard. Mm. Um, one of the models I played tonight, uh, Zero, his safeguard is basically make one of the attacks I want to do reach further and do more damage. Yeah. So <laughs> you better kill him, because if I get to go again, uh-oh! So also, the the amazing thing about safeguards is, and actually the entire game, they don't repeat. Right. So it's just like, oh, I have well, Riot Girls and I have oh, this yeah, one. Yeah. And the safeguards are not like, you know, oh, generic, oh, They're these very have unique. this. They're all unique for each model. So if you're looking at, like, objectives or what you're doing and you're building your list, you look at your safeguards and go, oh, I know he puts out a lot of conditions. I have a, this guy who has a safeguard that says, I just ignore your conditions. Well, and I'll give you a good example, I, I think, to take that a step further. Let me take three models, all from the same faction, all that have a safeguard that reduces their damage. Okay. And this is how they do it. So Mastrona, who's one of the avatars, her safeguard says, any symbols you have on your card, the symbols we talked about to get your, ignore those symbols, now you're only counting whether you got one, two, or three disruptions. We don't care dice. what symbols you get. It's only disruptions. And disruptions are rare on the dice. So basically, the chance that like, you are going to reduce your damage simply because you're not going to roll as many disruptions as you would have symbols. Like, let's say, like, like Benjamin said, power is the most common symbol. Well, let's say your attack says power, power, power. Well, now it's disruption, disruption, disruption. So that's how she does it. Now, let's move to Commandant Striker. Commandant Striker says, go ahead and attack me. I'm good with that. And I'm going to roll a dice after you do damage to me. And based on which of the four symbols I roll on that dice, 
I reduce your damage by a certain... Or, I'm sorry, I cancel one of your symbols. And if I happen to roll a disruption, you get no disruptions. Yeah. I just change your dice. Now, then we take the Praetorians. Praetorians say, if I take damage, I take two less. Just, that's it. Period. Mm -hmm. If I take damage, I take two less. So, this is... I mean, this is... These are really good examples of all in the same faction... Here's three different ways to do the same thing off of different safeguards. So yeah. it's kind of this really cool rotating, you know, no generic real abilities in there. Mm-hmm. So so I think that's all of the attack stuff, right? Oh, wait, there's no, more. more. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on where you attack, you could get more dice. Okay, so this starts to get interesting. So cover, of course, removes dice, right? So there's ways to remove people's dice. If you attack in the rear arc... What is a rear arc? That is a great, great question. So a rear arc in this game is literally anything. Now, this is going to sound really basic. Literally anything that's behind the model. Here's where that deviates a bit. Let's say, because we're in in a grid, let's say I am... Actually, before we actually talk about that, we should explain something. The bases for all the models are squares. Yes. The bases are squares and they fit within the square yes. grid of the board. So let's say I have my model who's attacking your model and I am 13 squares to the right of you and one square behind you. Most people would say, well, you're on my side, on my flank. Nope. I am one square behind you. So it doesn't matter how far to your flank I am, I'm in your rear arc. Yes. So literally, it's anything that is not to your sides or ahead of you. It's not, can I see your rear arc? It's, I am in your rear arc. There's a there's a really great picture of this explaining it in the book, which is literally a model. It has a line on the back of the model and this gigantic red square <laughs> that is basically everything behind it. Right. That's your rear arc. Yeah, I mean, it, it's and it sounds really simple until you look at it on the board. And it, I think anybody coming from a miniature game really does have the gut instinct of, no, but you, I'm standing with my back to a to a node. You can't see my rear. Doesn't matter. No. <laughs> right? You're right. You are absolutely right. I cannot draw a line of sight to the rear of your model, but I can still draw a line of sight. And anyway, I am in your anyway. rear arc. There's a lot of things that they did in this game to make things simple. And I think that's one of the things that catches miniature tabletop wargamers, right? Rear arc is rear arc. If you're behind a model, you're in the rear arc. Adjacent is adjacent. Even if you're in range of a model who might be able to reach two squares away, you're not adjacent to them. There's no such thing as engaging and it's just, am I next to or am I not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Um Adjacent. This was this was one of the best. We we like actually moving moving adjacent. This was one of the best situations I had where I, I was playing. Another guy and I were playing, and he had set up this incredible grid of his four or five models to quote unquote block me from getting to the pylon. So what did I do? I had enough CS because of uh, difficult movement through disengaging to step diagonally between all of his models and walk up to the pylon and take it. And he was like, "Well, you can't do that." I was like, why not? It's adjacent. Right? Diagonal in this game is still adjacent. Still adjacent. You just move into it. <laughs> so he was like, oh. So it's important because if you move past somebody and you're adjacent, 
you're adding an extra CS. So if you're just to, a model when you move away. To move, to move away. Um, so, eh, it's like, oh, you're, you're nearby. <laughs> you don't get a free strike. Nope. You don't get, like, you know, oh, well, my melee range is two and yours didn't know. Now, here's the challenge, eh. though. Let's, let's, let's really point out why this is a challenge. So, I'm adjacent to your model. You're my opponent. And I want to step away from you. So it normally costs me one CS to step to another square to move. Mm-hmm. Now it costs me two CS to because I'm leaving your leaving your adjacency. How much CS does a normal model have? On average, would you say? About four. Four, four five. Four, <laughs> yeah. five. Right. Sometimes and, six. And the thing is, is that, oh, you're moving away from this model into a resistor, cool. You're spending That's three. three. Yeah. <laughs> so, Even better, right? I'm I'm adjacent to the model, and I'm stepping to the square that's diagonal adjacent to you. Okay, so that just cost me two, and then I'm going to step again. Oh, that just cost me another two. I'm still adjacent. There are models that say, "Hey, after I attack you, if you try to walk away, it's an extra one." Yep. So it's now three to move away. So movement in the game becomes important. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we covered that a lot before. So that's attacks, except for how to apply damage. This is going to get fun. <laughs> so so on a not no, subroutine. Not subroutine, because that's important. So <laughs> yeah. single model, that's it. Okay. Um, if it's a single model, you have a you have a set of uh, you have a set of boxes yeah. on your on the cards for each model. And specifically, it's two rows. Two rows. So it's so, so it's so you have ten boxes. You have a row of five boxes on top, a row of five boxes on the bottom. The way you mark off boxes in this game is you go from left to right, and you mark off top, bottom, top, top bottom. bottom, top, bottom, top, bottom. This is important <laughs> for a normal model, like say like an avatar function or something that's a single model. It's like oh, I just mark off boxes. Great. Cool. I fill up the boxes. My program is deleted. Right. Subroutines are different. (laughs) (laughs) So, how does a segmented subroutine work? So, segmented subroutines, you can think of it as it is a program that involves individual models. So, say you... So, individual people are plugged in to run this program. They're not slaved together. Yes. Yeah. But they're all running the same program. Mm Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a gang that all yep. you can think of that are all you know under one. So band. the four of us are running a segmented program. Yeah, we're yes. all running. Yeah. So say all four of us, you know, we're we're in Ethereum and we're doing some combat. Somebody pops up behind Bill and goes, "Bam! I stab you." <laughs> and That's just funny. It's appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Bill, you know, he's really really hurt. Uh, say Bill has four life and Bill takes six damage. Well, we're all segmented. We're all our own people. Bill so Bill just, gets deleted. Yeah, Bill just gets deleted. He gets <laughs> so deleted really good. Gamer's Lounge goes away and beer thralls rule. There you go. <laughs> so uh, that's how it works is, you know, they're all individual models and they'll have their individual sort of health. And damage rules. doesn't roll over. Yes, no. damage does not roll over. Now what happens if the four of us get loaded into a Praetorian or some other type of linked program? So we that, all know Bill decides where we're moving. <laughs> so Bill decides where we're moving. You know, he walks up. And Bill, being the wonderful tactician that he is, we walk up. And we get ambushed from behind. Right. And suddenly, <laughs> you see, Convy, boom, he gets a knife in the back. And he takes a lot Eight of damage. Eight points of damage. Eight points of damage. And we I have, have four. 
Well, what will happen is we're going to have to choose among the four of us who's going to die. So what you'll, well, what you'll <laughs> typically <laughs> see is with four of us in a program. Mm-hmm. Or five. Or five. five. Praetorians have five. You're going to see boxes. And like you said, each Praetorian has well. Praetorians have four health per model. Mm-hmm. So what it looks like On is it's a grid, right? Five by four. It's a grid of 20 boxes. Separated by blocks of colors. Four are red and four are blue. And the way the four is, is they're in a block. So left to right, top to bottom, top, bottom, top, bottom. Those four those four are all red. So somebody, stand, somebody stands behind us and goes, bam, you take eight damage. Well... Doesn't matter whose we color is which. Eight boxes. You go top bottom top bottom for eight. Well, Except that that just closed out two different colors. Yeah, two colors are now gone, which means you get to go. Well, somebody's got to go. <laughs> you don't say that model's attacked. It goes away. No, no, no. Right. You go. Well, one person in this group. So yeah, James gets stabbed. James got stabbed. But we like Ben. We don't, like, we don't like Benjamin. <laughs> you guys are gone. <laughs> So I'm still standing there, but these two guys are gone. Right. So when we activate, it's just me and you in the group now. And if I take another two damage, or if we take another two damage in our group, I mark off two boxes, but none of us We're, go we away. We still keep tracking. So link programs are you go from left to right. Every time a color is filled, you remove a model. Which is important. You remove a model from that program. It does not have to be the program that took the damage. Right. The, or the, model the model that, that took, took the, the damage. damage. Specifically, the model that took the attack. Yes. So the other thing that it, that becomes important now is when you put your models together, you usually want to have a way because those same colors exist for segmented programs. So now you typically want to take a segmented program and you want to somehow color the models in the segmented program to differentiate. So that you know who's actually taking the damage. So, hair color is good. Clothes. Um, clothing is good. Even marks on bases. If marks you on want. bases. Marks on bases if you want. Um, yeah, I, I, I've done... Uh, so I have a program that's basically just a bunch of tentacles. They all look the exact same. Well, I've painted the little tiny glowing marks on them different colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a blue, this is red, this is what, and it was whatever... And it doesn't matter what it, it, for a link program it doesn't really matter, but for a segmented program, say like oh, we won't use that example. That's a horrible example. <laughs> I was just I was going to say sirens, and that's a, that's they bad, they're bad 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 bad. bad they bad, are bad. the exception to the rule. <laughs> Wave it off, James. Wave it off. <laughs> so like Victorians, you know, you might want to go like uh, actually Riot Girls. Yeah, Riot Girls. Just paint their hair a different color, or like their vest a color, or their pants a color. Yeah, I did their, I did their shirts. Yeah, and they go, oh, well, yeah, red just took four damage. Well, that's gone. So I mark off on the red boxes four damage, and I remove red. Yep. So, so that's, I think that's really good for the basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Pretty much it. <clears throat> so, four factions. So far, yes. So far. Axiom. Oh. Anybody want to talk about Axiom? Who likes Axiom? You like Axiom. Screw I that. love Axiom. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. Somebody else should do Axiom, because I don't think any of you really know a lot about Akaru. Uh, oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I know The only thing I know is that they're ninjas. I could talk about Axiom. Talk about Axiom? Axiom? I, the only Axiom models I have, I have the guys from the base set. 
So, Bill, you'll probably have to... Tommy, do you play Axiom? I've played uh, some And we don't want to go in-depth yeah. on the models, but let's talk but about the faction the, and so, sort of the high-level so like idea. The faction flavor, this is if you took uh, the government and the church and you combine them together, um, you have the Axiom, right? And almost sort of a corporation, too, right? Uh, they you, are they run everything. everything. They're one of the few governments left in the world. And their whole thing is order. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, you're free to do what you want as long as it fits in this order. The world is chaos. We don't want that. I'm trying to find... You're free to choose the, the choices yeah. that we've made for you're, you. You're free, <laughs> to choose, you're free to choose the choices. Here are the choices you get to choose from. You get to choose a different one? Mm. No. The Axiom believes infallibility at its... Uh, yeah, the Axiom believes infallibility at its core in order, stability, lucidity, cooperation, even rigorously codified in a profound sequence of virtues. All else is secondary. And then the best quote in the fluff. Thus... The Axiom citizen is free to obey. <laughs> oh, every like they have, they have in the, like, if you want to, if you want to just get the base book and just look at it, it's hysterical <laughs> because Axiom has propaganda posters that are just like people in lines, oh, yeah. and they're just like, "I like to obey." <laughs> we are so, Axiom. We are unity. We are yeah. unity. <laughs> so if you um, if you remember V for Vendetta, if you took. Um, took the sort of the government church in that and you put almost like a sci-fi spin on it. Um, And then you combine them with some other stuff. You know, like they've got the dogs from uh, Fahrenheit 451 in there. Yep. You know, that's that's axioms. You've got this mix of um, sort of like church clerics and military and uh, military police, shock troopers, and some operatives. Um, so what was the guy from uh, Matrix? Oh, they have Mr. Smith. They have Mr. Smith. They have Mr. Smith in yeah. there. Um, the dogs from four, Fahrenheit 451 yep. are in there. Uh, assassins. They have like a group of assassins. They're very much, you know. Conver, you you love the assassins, don't you? I hate. <laughs> oh my god! Every single game, I'm just like. Oh, they're across the board. I'm fine. Oh my god, how they in my face? <laughs> so, I, I think Axiom. It's a lot of just high armor. There's a lot of just like so. A couple of their things is like we we they break the rules in where they go. Oh, I have a group of people. Instead of going up and down on my boxes, I go left to right. No, Which, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, no, they don't. Isn't that the no? Okay, so, so just so you know, and so that... It's Josh lying so to me. <laughs> Josh, so, I said there's four factions in their game. There's kind of five. Oh, kind yeah. of. So, yes, yeah, yeah. So there's this one faction called Operatives, and I wanted to kind of, we'll, we'll touch on it, but not really. Because Operatives are not fully... There are Operative models, there is no book for Operatives yet. Think Mercs. So they're Mercs. And there is a Merc that our friend Josh has used with the Axiom that allows you to take damage wrong. Yes. Basically break the damage wrong. Now, why this is important, Convy, for you and just for the listener if they ever get into it. Now, Axiom, this is why it's so gross with Axiom. Axiom is a tanky... They tend to... They do two things really well depending on who you take. And 
There are war gamers out there that are going to go, but wait, if you give them both of those things, that's not fair. We'll explain why it is. <laughs> they okay? tank and push. They Well, I was going to say, they move you around, but they tank, but you can also do a build that's probably one of the highest damage builds in the game. Yes. Not the highest damage faction, Benjamin, who's staring daggers into me right now, <laughs> but there's probably one of the highest damage builds of a collective in the game. Uh, basically, there is a set of stuff you can put together where if I take the right avatar, the right function, and then the right two subroutines... It, it is by far the most damage put out. However, that particular setup has a very small number of models and is actually fairly fragile when you come back yes. to Purdue damage against it. But it will wreck your world. It, it's a very good glass cannon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and in, in the thing about this is if you if you know how to play it well, it it's terrifying. By the same token, I can build an incredibly tanky, I take effectively no damage and just shove you around the board but i don't actually do a lot of damage to you so my damage is by moving you into things or punching you when you can't move it's really hard to define factions in this game because you can say oh they're tanky but they're depending on who you take in the faction it changes right. what they can do so like i can say oh axiom's tanky but then they can have the super awesome build and it just becomes a class cannon. You do high dam amount of damage. But it's a very specific it's build. It's a very specific build. And you can't combine it with the tankiness. Like, you make yes. that choice. And so that, that's one of the things in the game, and that's what keeps it, I think, balanced and fair. Mm -hmm. um, so, so church, government. Military police. Military police. Operatives. Yep. Um, super, super government. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best way to describe them. Now, they come in the starter box, so we should go with the second faction of the starter box, <laughs> mm -hmm. the other faction of the game. Benjamin, what's that faction? So, of course, when you have a very all-powerful government... I don't and... know why you said all-powerful. <laughs> so, when you have an oppressive government that, you know, controls the religion I don't as know well. why you said oppressive. <laughs> You're free to obey. <laughs> You're free to obey. Well, there's some people who, you know, they'll take kindly to that, and they want more freedoms. Well, that is where the Naname come in. Uh, they are the wild, chaotic freedom fighters that, instead of saying, you know... I thought it was angry children with... angry teenagers, angry teenagers with fire. With fire. Yeah. The uh, anarchists and the protesters. You yeah, can say that the same. So, yeah, the angry teenagers um, that don't want to listen to daddy. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> so they, oh, they kind of... some of the characters. That's actually <laughs> very accurate. <laughs> so, um, that's what they are. They are the, the freedom fighters that worship, or that value freedom at any cost the ability to do anything they want that's good at, at any, any cost, cost. At any cost. Yeah. so that comes in with a lot of how they end up playing um but for flavor wise uh they have a lot of you can see thugs they have a lot of uh models that are masked um yep. because it's like uh, a guy fox mask that they, you see with anonymous yep. yeah you know, the leader of the faction actually wears a guy fox mask and his whole fluff is that he's, you know... Sure, if you think of him as the leader of the faction. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also have another uh, avatar you can bring that also wears a mask. She's the White Rabbit. So there's a lot of anonymity to yep. a lot of the models in the faction. A lot of them have you know, bandanas masks. covering yeah. their masks. faces, masks, gas masks, and Hoodies. things. 
And yeah, they're yeah, lots be... of hoodies, lots of. I mean, even so, even to the extent of riot police who have defected and become the defector militia. Yeah, right. And that's like across the board. Yeah, think think any any riot you've seen on TV where you have the people <laughs> throwing shit at the police, the police or Axiom, the people throwing crap is that's nominee. Yeah, because anime. Well, anime. No, namaste. <laughs> Namaste, anime. So the anime faction. Um, <laughs> so they have things. They have a uh, subroutine that is literally a group of protesters. Is one thing they have. They have a group that is a bunch of people who throwing Molotov cocktails at people. Not just so Molotov all... cocktails. They have gasoline cans. And... Gasoline cans. <laughs> I think it's some guy that's actually one on, fire. on fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah one they... guy who got too excited and put himself on fire. In, I love that one too. Get in line, order is liberation. Uh, yeah. but... That, that's kind of the basic flavor of them, I would okay. say. But the, okay. but the way they play, uh, you can think of... So we have the Axiom, where they they are the church and state, and the uh, they can be super tanky. Uh, you can think of Riot Police, where they stand as a wall and they walk forward. They're not really hitting you or hurting you, but they're standing strong as a wall. Uh, the protesters, they can be... Are the net, uh, Okay, I'm getting mixed up. So, so yeah. again, anime, we're not gonna do... we're not gonna go deep into the fashion, but yeah, yeah. 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 But the anime, they can do a similar thing where they can be high damage and they can also be in a way tanky themselves. Yep. The way that they are tanky is that they do sort of the control of the game, where they throw fire at places and they say, "You can't walk there. This is rough terrain." And so I mess with how you can do things. What or I, or what I, I just protest your safeguard. Yeah. 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 When I describe an anime, I don't actually describe them as being tanky so much as control and damage. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they do a lot of, like, I remove... It's like, there's there's something called a firewall in the game yep. where it's... Uh, you, you can't see through it. You can't really get lines. <laughs> it you is a wall, it. A, wall fire. Fire. Yeah, a wall of fire. So it, it actually has things. Like, you can't move into it. You can't do anything. So they have at least... Two models or two programs in the game that just go. Yes, I'm gonna throw up three of these, three blocks or of five these, or five or whatever. I mean, they control a lot of the board. They have a model that goes. Oh, I'm standing next to this pylon that you own. I start my activation. It's, it's mine. mine. Yeah. Oh, I really don't like the fact that everyone's standing on this. I'm just gonna go ahead and destroy the schema. One noted personality in the movement is rumored to present a calling card that repeats an age-old adage. Give a man a mask, and he will show you his true face. <laughs> Inevitably, mayhem follows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wild, reckless, free, no matter the cost. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. Great, great. I mean, if you just want to... If you feel angsty... <laughs> Nanime. Troy Benjamin plays it. Uh, <laughs> he's not bad. So the next faction that came out um was House Akaru. Akaru. So House Akaru. Oh, just say the phrase. But which 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 phrase? You mean you mean House Akaru for everything? Akaru for everything? Akaru, Akaru forever? <laughs> so funny thing about Akaru. The car is a corporation. It's a conglomerate corporation. Effectively think of, um, let me think, what are those companies I'm thinking of? Um, every one of that exists in Asia. Yes. Mm -hmm. They took them over. And then they expanded from there. And, uh, you know, 
solid CEO, really good programmers. They do a little bit of, well, everything. Maybe an AI now. Well, I don't know. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, yeah, rumors, yeah, yeah. We, sir. We, 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 rumors. Haven't seen, we haven't seen him in a while, but he still talks to us. So mm. there was rumors that the, that the CEO had disappeared, and the CEO's kids had disappeared, and they were all high-end mm. programmers. And strangely, you know, everybody takes on a an aspect when they de- kind of log into a program in the Ethereum and all these people that spend time, you take on an aspect of a visible, you know, visibility of your personality or whatnot in most, the Ethereum. Most people look like themselves or, or the program they're loaded into yeah. or whatever. Right. And, um, strangely over the years after the Akaru CEO and the CEO's kids disappeared, um, you know, to do research, research, work, research. Re- research work, um, all of the Akaru programs started looking like robots. So weird. <laughs> so yes, if you like Robo Ninjas oh. in Robo Samurai and, and guns, lots of guns, <laughs> guns that break the rules. You're William Gibson Ice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, so uh, there is only one good profit. There's only one evil failure. Failure. <laughs> so. I, I wish I had the, uh, the the next quotes for the next section too, but yeah. So, so what we have here is this. You can tell sort of the division as the designers of the game became more comfortable with the game. Yes. Now, I will say there are models. I have heard there are models in all of these factions that were designed from the beginning or pictured from the beginning. Right? They have an incredibly strong plan for I think thirteen factions in this game. I think it's thirteen. Twelve, uh, eight, actually, eight? because that's what no, there's uh, there's there's eight that they have. You can listen to the beer thralls. Yes, yeah, that's that, true. Episode number one, and they talk about. So is it only them. eight? I thought it was more than that. So they might have, they have ideas for more, yeah. and then there's also expansions. Okay, the existing factions. Even this at eight, weird. even at eight. Yeah, right. So, but you can tell when they started to become comfortable with their own game because then they started to make changes and, and I know Benjamin will throw out and say he thinks that there's been some power creep. Um yeah. I disagree and that's that's a discussion for a later episode. But except they, for zero. Zero is a definitely power creep. They started to <laughs> expand within the space. So one of the things they did is each of the avatars for Akaru actually has a negative. Right? They balance it, but there's actually like a bad thing that happens. Um the the for example tonight normally like you guys said before if I have RAM I can shift, move, rotate. Oh, that's who you're playing. Um, yeah, I was playing Tacona. So I can normally shift, move, and rotate other schemas. And if you look in the first box, you get, you see where the designers went, okay, this is brilliant. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the puppeteer who's an avatar. He's going to move things automatically, or he's going to rotate things automatically whenever he wants. And then we're going to take uh, uh, New Home, who's one of the, the other side, the Axiom, and he's going to shift, he's going to slide a schema every time he activates. This is cool. We rotate and we shift. Now they went the other side and they went, oh, you're playing Takona of Akaru? You can't shift stuff unless you own it or you're on it. Remember, it was you have a government, oppressive government. You have the chaotic ones. This is a corporation. Corporation. It's called red tape. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's more red tape to do. Now, the other thing they started to do, and this is, I I don't, I I know this is a harder thing to pick out. I know this because I've talked to the designers. What you start to see is Axiom has a fairly 
pretty, I, I would say a lot. They have a, a fair to large amount of CS and not much overclock because they're highly efficient in what mm-hmm. they do. Okay? Not a lot of imagination. Yes. Right. Not Nanime, a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. Nanime tends to have lower CS and more overclock. They can do all this surgy stuff. Ikaru is almost even across the board, but they have a decent amount of RAM. They yeah. can generate a lot of resources, but applying it, they're they're efficient in what they do. There's not a lot of deviation. They're overclocked. Balance. Yeah, it's very balanced. And and while I can apply it here and there, and I have a lot of RAM to play with, there's there's I, there's no huge bursts, or rarely is there bursts. Um, the 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 whole faction is very Japanese. It's a lot of yin yang. So like you're like oh. This guy's really powerful, but he's also got a very strong negative. Right. Right. Um, so those are some... I mean, they actually have models in there that do almost no damage and actually take damage to themselves when they're not attacking somebody. They're these ghosts. However, if you get into exactly the right position, with exactly the right number of models and everything else, they're devastating. You just kill everything. But then they have to take damage themselves yeah. to do it, so they waste away and they sort of fade away into the into the ether. So that's really what a Karu is, right? Robo ninjas, corporate, you know, overall. I still every time it's just like angry teenagers with fire, Robo ninjas. Okay, and the church, and the church, and the church. So, um, huh? What about Resex? Ooh, my faction. <laughs> um. Imagine steampunk divers meets Cthulian monsters, and you have Rezex. And let's be fair. Convy <laughs> was introduced to this game when Bill got it ages, three years ago. I and Convy was like, eh, eh, eh looks kind of complicated. I, I should say, the demo I got... I did when uh, Akaru was just coming out. Yep. They were just doing the event of Akaru. And I was like, I did the demo. I was like, I'm not well, really I showed it to you off the Kickstarter. Yeah. And I was like, hey, right? And you were like, eh. And then a year later, you did. I did a demo. Like a year, year and a half later, you did a demo. And you are like, eh. And then I was like, hey, dude, they have a they have a Cthulhu faction coming out. He was like, what? 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 I, actually, the guy doing the demo, <laughs> I was like, I the game is great. I like the base of it. But... I don't like the giant church faction. I don't like the Robo Ninjas. I don't like the Angry, angry Kids with Fire. And he's like, oh, well, maybe next year we come out with uh, Rezex. I'm like, well, what's Rezex? I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Steampunk Divers meets Cthulhu. And I literally said, the next words out of my mouth was, why do you want me to have no money? <laughs> <laughs> so it came out, and I literally bought almost every single model that they had there that I could. Um, so the fluff behind that, I, I know, because you have all the <laughs> House of Karu because you're Robo Ninjas. No, no, um, that's Rezex. Oh, that's Rezex? That's the Rezex. Oh, I just haven't put it them the together yet. The outside. It's the complete Rezex collection. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. So, um, so we talked about how there's pylons and nodes and stuff, but the Ethereum is huge. Absolutely well, we don't huge. know the edges of it. Yeah, we don't know it. So what happened is, uh, there used to be a company called... Rexcon. Rexcon was the people who designed the pylon system. So they would go out, they would find nodes, and they would start placing pylons nearby to increase the area of stability. Well, a certain corporation that will be unnamed 
Kurt. Um, Kurt. You, you got a little call. Is that, is, is that is that an Asian call? Um, they were like, "Whoa, these people are getting way too much power. We should buy them out." And they went, "No, no, we have a lot of power." So what happens when people don't allow a car to buy them out? You kill cities, apparently. <laughs> um, so a bad thing happened. We will not name who did it. But their name starts with I and ends with Akaru. <laughs> um, so the fact, so they had these gigantic ships that had these kind of like portable pylons on them, and the ships are so as the Ethereum's eating away at these programs, uh, and the quantum noise is just kind of breaking them down. These ships are repairing themselves, and these guys go out into Ethereum and they start kind of exploring. And so when this bad thing happened. A lot of these people were out in the Ethereum and exploring. So when this ha- when this happened, they went, oh, we didn't know. <laughs> I guess what, we're not going what? home now. I guess we're not going home. <laughs> so they did form a library. Uh, their symbol is a broken pillar. Uh, they have a kind of, uh, uh, it's a floating, uh, I guess, node that they can go back to. But how you become. We think. We think. Because the way they phrase it is, it will find you. When you need it. Right. Um, so it's a lot of explorers. They also have something in the game that's new. The Ethereum, the quantum noise, isn't empty. So they have things. Yeah, there's, there's stuff out there's there. There's stuff out there. Like, like, you know, we're not the only things there. So there's Aether Watchers, which are gigantic squid-like creatures. You have something called the Kraken, which is in-game... Just tentacles, because that's all there is that you can see of it. Right. And the tentacles, ba- like so. Resex as they're going around, so they're sort of tamed parts of no, this, no, right? No, no, no. We don't say tamed because ah, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> we don't kill them; they don't kill us, but they follow us around. <laughs> um. So yeah, the faction is a lot of um, quantum noise is bad. It kills a lot of things, except we kind of like it. So we have things that go, oh, if I'm in quantum noise, I don't take damage. Um, if I can spend an EXC that goes, oh, I can skim across this right. and not take damage going into the quantum noise. So here what they did instead of, you know, so first two factions, they said, let's give some ability for shifting. Let's give some ability for rotating and doing stuff like that. Then they said, oh, let's put some limitations on. Yeah. And then they went, is there anything we haven't screwed with in the game yet? Oh, wait, wait, nobody can go into quantum noise. Let's create a faction that can swim around in the quantum noise. So we have a lot of stuff that swims around in the quantum noise. But the reverse of that, because there's always a bad part. I have a lot of stuff that goes, if I'm not in the quantum noise, I'd already take more damage. Everything's a resistor. Or the further I am away from an edge, I'll take that much damage at the end of my activation. So let me ask you this. Well, do you remember any quotes out of the Akaru book? My Akaru book is missing. Josh! (laughs) Um... Resex? Oh, Resex, sorry. Resex doesn't have... My Resex book is missing. Resex doesn't have really any quotes... Because think of it as oh, there's quotes on there. Think of it as pirates, though. Yeah, each ship because there's no real organization has their each own. Each ship is their own group. So we had talked about Naname as sort of control and some damage, mm-hmm. and Axiom is mostly sort of bricky, right? And and 
they can do some damage as well, but really it's around being sort of bricked up in, in solid protective, right? Yeah. Um, Ikaru, how would you describe Ikaru from what you guys... I mean, I know you guys have only seen a little bit, but... Uh, movement. There's a lot of movement shenanigans. A lot of just the, I, oh, I can see you now. Yeah. Um, They are more of the faction of... See, I would have actually said that Rezex was mostly movement. Mm, so Rezex is Because they do more, a lot of materialized teleport. What, what I would say is, from facing them, is they have a lot of move others. So, ah. it, okay, so if you've ever played War Machine, Legion, which we refer to as the faction that just ignores rules, um, Rezex is kind of the faction that ignores rules. Okay. Um, Oh, quantum noise? Bad. No, not for us. We actually charge up and can do more damage. We also break the world. So we talked about quantum noise damage. Right. We do quantum break, which is kind of like, you know, the kiddie pool of evil. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes, oh, I damage you. Cool. I'll damage you a little bit more quantum with quantum break. Oh, my guys died. I put a quantum break token here. And I drag you towards it. Um, we leave little patches of kitty pools of evil. Yep. Uh, the the entire faction is they're not very hardy, uh, but at the same time uh, they're uh, very heavy on their safeguards, which is why Nemane, um I'm not gonna say the name ever right. Uh, <laughs> Has that the picketers that go, hey, screw your safeguards. And I'm like, oh, God, no. (laughs) Well, and one of the things I noticed is, and we talked about this a little bit earlier after our games, was Rezex doesn't do a lot of native damage, but they pull you into the quantum noise. Uh, There's there's a couple of things that go, hey, after I hit you, um, I drag you down the line of my stuff, and I can drop you in the quantum noise. Uh, We have an avatar that goes, hey, I shoot you, and I push you. Four spaces. Well, and they also have a lot of stuff that sits at the... Uh, so if you think about these schemas, everybody plays on these schemas, and Rezex plays off the schema. So a lot of people, like you and I talked about this, James, where most people want to push schemas together oh, yeah. to be able to walk places. And so the board ends up, even if the board is spread out at the beginning of the game, you end up having the board sort of pushed into this... I won't say the center of the map, but into a central location. You're making Pangea. Right. Where we're, you, we're making the world. <laughs> you so, you want to break things apart. Oh, it's, it, we do a lot of stuff like, um, hey, I can go, if I spend this one CS, I can basically, my entire movement, I ignore quantum damage at, completely. So it's just like, oh, well, if I spread this apart because you can't see me now and you're going to be take damage... I can just swim across. Yep. Um, a lot of it's also like, oh, you hit me. Cool. I'm going to teleport to the other side. So, actually, the best way to describe Rezex is think of it as you're on a platform in the ocean and there's a bunch of sharks swimming right. around the outside. Just Those going, sharks are Rezex. Get, get, get really close to the edge. Come on, get close <laughs> to the edge. Okay, so that's the four that are out today when we're recording. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know who and hasn't. Well, operatives. So there's operatives out there. There's no book form. Operatives are mercenaries. They all do something different. Operatives tend to be tied. They can be used by any faction, but many of them have an, a benefit if they're with a certain faction. Yes, and they're all kind of Benjamin. If you would say that the game has had power creep, 
operatives, <laughs> by their very design, are power, power creep. creep. Because for the most part, the operatives, for the most part, the operatives are all designed by people who have kicked in or paid extra money or whatever. So they're actually, there's a person behind the design of every operative. Mm-hmm. I think every. Uh, I'm not actually, sure. yes, every one. Even the, uh, the one on the horse. Yeah, so the one I wasn't sure about was um, was uh, who's he what that I was playing today? Oh uh, no, Cal. No. no, Cal. I think is actually he's from okay. Kickstarter also. Well, somebody did it. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So operatives. I don't want to jump so much into operatives. What I do want to say is, so the next faction coming that we know about, this should be out. It it's should Adepticon. be view, viewable at Adepticon, and you people will be able to buy limited right. limited amounts. I think the so, launch so? is Gen Con. No, I think I think they're they launching most, at Adepticon. I think they have the most of the stuff is going to be at Adepticon. I think some of the models might be released at Gen Con. Now, I will say this: they had everything available for not for a car. They had everything Res-X. available for Resex at Adepticon, but it wasn't officially launched then. I would say you will probably be able to get so. Anvil you won't be a, able to get it off the website. Anvil does a great job, and I'm going to side move for a quick. Um, Anvil does a really great job about making their story progress. So every year at Adepticon... I wanted to come back to that. Okay, I'm I not going to say anything further on that. So yeah. most of the new faction should be at Adepticon because of that event that right. we'll talk about later. Um, For people who can't get to Adepticon, though, it may not be available till after Gen Con on the website for sale or in retail. Actually, yes. Most of the time, Gen Con is when it goes on the website. Right. So, Romix oh, is the that next. Josh wants. What does anybody know? What Romix is? Like any, I know what all the three are. So if you guys don't, I can I can describe it. But what's Romix, James? Um. So if you're in IT, <laughs> so you remember when early on in this podcast we mentioned there were some trade wars. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Remember how, like, say, like, you had this antivirus program? Why? Because some people out there go, I'm going to write a bad code and spread it throughout the universe. So what happens in the Ethereum when you do that? So if you write a bad code and somewhere you're on the line, you're like, oh, yeah, we don't want this anymore. And you go, screw it. There's the Ethereum. Let's just toss it out, in the, out there. Like tossing your trash out of a window. Except your trash possibly comes back. Sentience. <laughs> so the Romix is, I, I mean, the simplest elevator pitch is it's a virus that's gained AI. Oh, it, it's, it's, they have been, if you go on Ambulite's Facebook page, they yep. have released teasers and artwork of the models that will be released for Romix. And if you're like, oh, well, your viruses, no, these are like kaiju monsters. <laughs> They're horrific. So, we've talked about avatars. Most of the models are on a single small base. There are some models that are larger. Every faction has a single model that's called an Omni. Yeah, that's Which larger. is four bases. It's four bases large. Except for Romex. Romex has an avatar. Three. That is... I think all, th- oh, all I, three of I them? believe... I believe... I'm not sure. So, don't, I know don't swear me in. I have no one. I'm pretty one. sure that all three are going to be Omnis. I know of one... Giant kaiju monster that is going to be your avatar. They've released things that is just like, oh, you have bugs <coughs> that 
Infest you. We'll infest you and just take over your stuff for a round. Um, the, they have bugs that go, oh, I need to be tanky this turn. Cool, I'm all tanky. I need to do damage. I'm doing all damage. So, so I mean, without, and again, there's some great, um, there's some great interviews. There'll be more this year. But yes, Romix is giant kaiju monsters, AI virus. Yes. Screw them all. Oh, remember okay. how we talked about pylons and nodes? Yes. Yeah, from what we've heard, they don't have those. They just infect other people. Right. <laughs> so, following that, we believe, and this is subject, keep in mind, where the Anvil 8 does about a faction a year with a little yeah. bit a little bit more in some cases, right? So, figure a faction a year to every two years. Um, so, so, we believe, after Romex comes out, we'll be seeing the Zen. Does anybody know about the Zen? So, what we've heard... So, we've already seen Zen. Um, in the Resex book... Well, no, no. So, in the Resex book... You're right. They have... we they're, You know how I said they're, they're wearing these, like, steampunk uh, diving suits. <laughs> Except for the monk. And then they're, they're, like, going around, and then they go, Is that a guy just sitting out on a rock in the middle of the Ethereum? And he's like, Hi! No, but let's think this through. Let's think this through. Is that a guy sitting on a rock? Wait, is that a rock? rock? Where's the node? Yeah. How, Why so, is there a stable portion of the Ethereum out oh, here just with, around a, them. with a dude standing on it? So Sitting on it? We have two Zen in the game right now. One is a Merc. Oh, I didn't The realize. one on the horse, she's Zen. She's Zen, okay. And we also have one in the Rezax faction. Yeah, I remember him. Who's also Zen. So we have seen these things. So the game. idea behind Zen is, like we said, there are things out in the Ethereum. And somebody, or no, I'm sure they're completely naturally occurring nodes. Uh, they're absolutely naturally occurring, yes. Right. So the Zen are that something out in the Ethereum. Think Tibetan monks that... You know, the explorers just kind of stumbled upon, and they were just like, whoa, there, there are people here. And there is actually a really cool story in the, for anybody that follows the fluff and, and wants to go dig it up, um, there is a very cool story of an inter, of in an interaction with a Zen in the Rezax book. Yeah, where he actually cuts his... Where he cuts like, his cord. He goes, <laughs> Rezax are kind of insane. Um, and yeah, in, in the fluff, he just kind of goes, well, there's this tether that keeps me basically alive. But there's a guy sitting out there, and I can't quite get to him. Ah, screw it. Cut the cord. Yep. Um, so we and then, have... And then what are we expecting after Zen? Oh, so there's a question that came up. So you're literally sitting in a, in a basically a box or a chair, and your mind is in the Ethereum. The Ethereum. What happens if somebody walks up to you and goes, Man, I really well, don't well, hold like on. you. The first part of this question is you're literally in a chair, you're plugged into the a chair, a box or whatever. Boxer. But you're in a you're in a you're in a in the real world, yeah. you're in something that sends your mind into the Ethereum. And if your mind dies in the Ethereum, then your brain dead and your body will eventually waste away. Yeah. But what happens if your body dies? While you're in the Ethereum. That's a good question, since we've had an entire city do that. Flatliners. They're not the official name yet. It's kind of catchy. Now, and keep in mind, we're talking about a couple years oh, out. Oh, yeah. We're talking two, three years out now. Um, the Flatliners are the what ha it's like the zombie faction. Your mind, your body's dead. 
Your mind is still in the Ethereum in this program. It's still running. Quote, unquote, 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 yeah. living. Yeah. You're still, <laughs> it's still running. So as your brain is starting to deteriorate a little bit, well, now you're just like, well, I'm pissed off. I'm in the Ethereum. Cause havoc. Because screw you all. Right. Um, so we don't. We haven't seen any models yet. We haven't seen anything for it. We just have basically the idea of what the faction is going to be. So let me just present. I know it's going long, and the, and as we start to wrap up, here's some important pieces that we should really address. Okay. So I'm a miniature gamer, or or I'm a board gamer, and I just went. This kind of sounds cool as hell. I'm all in. I think I want to check that out, but oh wait, most people at that point are going to be like, "Oh, there's only how many factions?" Oh wait, we've hit the Russ Wakelin rule. There's at least four factions. We're good to go. Hey, four factions, but oh, you know, I don't know. It's not in retail. Oh wait, it's in retail because yes, Anvilade is in retail in your local stores. And if they're not, they can be. We have just proof ask. through our local store. Just ask. And they do good deals with the stores. So have your store contact Anvilate. But then there's always that last holdup. I've been burned by games before, guys. I hate it when a company doesn't support their game very well. <laughs> Why would I be interested at all? I mean, is there any kind of organized play or support for this game? Now, the first type of support we should talk about, it's almost like, do they have a program? <laughs> kind of like Benjamin, uh, kind of like a press ganger or a outrider. I really wish we had somebody to talk about this right now. Or a henchman? Uh. <laughs> henchman. Okay, that's what I am. Um, <laughs> so yeah, one of the programs that they run is a hacktivist program. It's a program that I would definitely recommend if if you're interested and you want to get other people into the game because they give you. The tools you need to be able to kind of support a growing community and to grow one, um, they will uh, give you the uh, a demo set to be able to demo the game to get other people interested, and uh, they also give you advice on how to run demos to get other people interested awesome. and get uh, other people just as excited as you to play the game. So, there's hacktivists, but I really don't know if that's enough. I mean... I suffered for years with my space game and my fantasy game. And everybody knows nobody ever progresses the storyline of these games. Nothing ever changes. Oh, yeah. No, never. Never. Oh, wait. No. What? Yes, it does. I'm confused. What do you mean? So, at Adepticon, (laughs) they have... And Gen Con. And Gen Con. Actually, in Las Vegas Vegas Open now-ish, kind of? This year would have been the first year, and I don't know. I didn't Um, get confirmation if they're doing it. uh, So, Nova Open, also, uh, they have... uh, Next year, they possibly might. I don't know. But anyway, Adepticon, Gen Con, definitely. Um... They have a story event. Now, when we say there's a story event, we just don't mean like, oh, you're playing a game that has a quote-unquote story. No. (laughs) You're playing a game, and depending on which side, like, eventually comes out ahead. So, like, when House of Karu came out, they did a House of Karu event. We almost lost an... I say we. Axiom almost lost an avatar. Almost lost. (laughs) Very, very close. 
So all the Axiom players out there should be saying, "Thank you, Bill, for sucking so badly at yeah, this game." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when uh, so the House of Car came out, and House of Car was basically advancing. Uh, they were sorry. They were acquiring Hasakaru saw a uh, the central processor of Hasakaru ran some analytics and found that there may be a material weakness in the there's an uh, opportunity to be had. opportunity to be have right and uh, may have dispatched several Hasakaru forces to um, explore aggressive negotiations <laughs> with Axiom at Commandant. Uh, Commandant uh, Spider's stronghold in the Ethereum, and possibly in the real world. But we don't talk about <laughs> don't that. Talk that. <laughs> so, uh, and the last one was uh, the release of ResX, which was... So, ResX kind of was like the, the strange kids that walk around the outside. You don't really talk to them, and then suddenly they came back and they were just like, we found something. And a bunch of them... Like a bunch of these right. ships and stuff, all at once, all at once, started heading back to the like. So imagine Pangaea, like all these like nodes and stuff, and everyone's living there, and then suddenly a bunch of pirate ships show up. That's what the Resex was, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. And nobody was happy that there they are showed creatures up. Creatures <laughs> out in the horrible, horrible Ethereum that even scare us, and so we don't know the results of it yet, and we still haven't gotten the results of it yet. Whether or not people listened to ResX. Because it kind of sounds crazy. It kind of sounds crazy. Like, oh, you've been in the Ethereum a little too long. Hmm. So, I mean, in one of the nice things, so the Akaru event they actually published, so other people can replay the event. Uh, the event did play out across two conventions yep. and all the games in the convention. Uh, there was a definite sway. Uh, in between the two conventions, there was a on the on the hairline of one of the one of the avatars being killed um, because Ikaru was up, and that got horribly reversed at Gen Con. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it started that way because I played in both events that year, <laughs> and I played opposite sides in both events. But that being said, uh, there's some really good fluff, and then fluff was written at the end where. I can actually attest to this. There is a scene that's written into the fluff now of the Akaro event that is how it played out on the table. Hmm. Because one of the final scenes was out of a game that I was playing. The one with the long long shot is a is a sniper. Oh yeah, is yeah, a, yeah. It's an Axiom sniper, and the Axiom sniper takes a shot at uh, at one of the avatars' uh, entropy. And actually gets the shot off, and parts of that were taken out of one of the games I played. So, um, and then this year is. Hey, remember that warning we had? Yeah, yeah. So it's the Romex invasion, <laughs> and it's here, and it's here. So, and and I think that's why we don't know yet because the impact of last year's event is going to go into how this year's event goes. So there are these ongoing rolling events and. They do an incredible job at them. I mean, yeah. bravo to Chris, who writes, uh, Chris Tratavani, who writes a lot of their events. Uh, they're, they're, the campaigns are fantastic. Uh, they have a really good design team. Brian, the owner of the company, does an incredible job. 
um, just across the board. So with that said, we have talked for two hours about Ethereum. Wow. Uh, I have to ask this question now, and we'll go one by one. Um, Benjamin, you don't like it, right? Not that good of a game? Like, uh, how would you rate it? Definitely a 1 out of 10, I mean. No, I, I at, really... At a plus 5 or a negative 5. We're, oh, we're, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Again. We're not doing that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I... You know, I'm a hacktivist for a reason. Uh, I really lo- I like this game. I can get pretty salty at times. Bill can attest to that. <laughs> but, uh, no, this game has a lot of interesting takes on things, especially with terrain movement. Uh, I love the flavor of it. Um, there's a lot of different different feels to the factions, and they play very differently. So, yeah, I I think it's a fantastic game. Anything to add, Tommy? What yeah. What do you think about this so, game? So, <laughs> there's a lot of games. I, I play a lot of games. Yeah. And there's been a lot of times where I'm just like, eh, I like the faction. It's kind of cool. Um, but I've never been truly invested in it. And when, like I said, when I first demoed this game, I was just like, eh, it's, it's a good game. I just don't like the factions. Then Resex came out, and I became truly invested in this huh? game. Uh, I mean, heck, we have a podcast about it now. And, and what is that podcast? <laughs> Quantum Beer Break. Uh, <laughs> you can listen to it on the Beer Thralls. Go to our Facebook.com slash Beer Thralls. And, uh, is that facebook.com but dash, slash beer thralls? That is facebook.com slash beer thralls. That was two years ago. You can't do this anymore. <laughs> so, um, I, I, this it, is the Gamers Lounge, facebook.com oh, slash Gamers Lounge. Yeah, yeah, yes, I most certainly can. Um, <laughs> I am a big fluff bunny, and when the game came out, I looked at, like, read the fluff, and I was like, this is very interesting. It's kind of cool. ResX came out. And I was just like, no, this is now the game that I want to play. And it's only getting better. It's one of the few games that I'm just like, oh, it's just a new faction. That's kind of cool. All right, cool. Oh, they do this cool thing. Yeah, that's nice. Rise X came out, and I was like, that's awesome. Rom X is coming out, and I'm truly terrified. <laughs> because <laughs> it's not like a recycled of this other faction. It's like, oh, they do the same thing. It's just they do it a little bit differently. This is totally different from all the other factions. Yeah. Every faction is truly different from other factions. Uh, Also, the designers of the games, if you go to Adepticon and you go to their accessible, that's them. Yeah. So... You're not getting like, oh, I, I'm, I just got hired for the weekend. I'm just doing this, moving this stuff around the table. No, no. You're probably playing with one of the guys who helped build this game. So I, I'm, I'm just thoroughly impressed. But you, John? What are your opinions? You don't like it, right? Well, you just sat in for two hours? For no, two hours, no, you stole my not, beer. That's not true. Um, so, Bill, we say that. What was it Wrath of Kings we used to say was like the best game that we never get to play? One of the best games one of the we best never games. get to play. It, it, yes, and and I, I kind of feel the same way about this one. There's a lot to be said about this that they haven't gone back and had to do a revision of the stuff in the base game. Because when they released the base game... No, no, the, keep going. <laughs> the, when they released the base game, they released the full, the first two factions in their entirety. Yes. Right? Um, and 
and maybe I picked up the second edition of it, but I didn't see a lot of changes. They from, have not. No. So it, here's no. so so John is pausing and, and getting nervous now because I made a face. They're actually in process right now. Okay, I've it taken has a not look been at... widely announced, but they are looking at do they need to do a second edition? But to be fair, that's four almost five years. And yeah. all they're doing is relooking and seeing, like, it's very they're, little. That there are a lot of there are a for the game is like a page long. Maybe it, it's like half a page. If, yeah. if you take out the illustrations, like the oh, logo yeah. and all that, I, I wouldn't even say it's half a page. It's it's and it's literally just like, oh yeah, we're going to clarify this by saying this term here should change just a little bit. Right, mm-hmm. right. So I, I do agree with you on that. I, the only reason I made a face is because it's funny you're saying that. Had this been two months ago, I would have been like, you're absolutely right. right. I just happen to know that they're looking at doing an update. But this is one of the things like uh, with kickoff, you get just a massive amount of replayability out of the base box set. Yeah. And yeah, it takes you a long time to learn what you've got um, in that base set. So, yes, I, let me see, I I have to, uh, I would be remiss not to, not to do this if it's up on their website still. Uh, which is anvil-8.com. Anvil-8.com. Uh, oh, that's nice. The, the, the head graphic is Quartermain and uh, uh, Izu yeah, or whatever his uh, name is. Ethereum has quickly become one of my favorite games in my collection. I consider it one of my prime games to play. This is on par with what you would get from a hobby store, uh, from a well-established company. Um, Yeah, those are both my quotes on their press page. I stand by that. Uh, Both of those quotes I made. There's a good example. Uh, The second quote was made at episode 105. When I originally brought them on, so 50 episodes ago, which is at least two years ago. It's a little bit more because we've been slow. Um, I have to go look, but I think I might have two games rated as a 9 or a 10 on Board Game Geek, which is the highest rating you can give them. This is one of them and has been from the beginning. I genuinely think this is one of the best games out there that nobody knows about. So I've actually... So when we were starting to look at this really seriously and we were like, well, where does it fall? Because I have a bunch of friends who play a bunch of board games. They play um, the the 8-bit dungeon crawlers. They play Imperial Assault. Um, but they're not really miniature gamers. And then I have a bunch of miniature gamer friends who are just like, oh, board games. Mm, you can't move tape measures around. This game is one of those games that falls right in the middle. And your miniature gamer friends are going to be like, this is great. And your board game friends are going to be like, this is great. So there are... Anybody who knows me, the listener, if the listener has been around any amount of time, will know that um, the most polite thing I could say about this term is that I have some strong opinions about things. (laughs) <laughs> I am fairly opinionated. Um, Still, no. <laughs> there was a game years ago by another company that also was miniatures in a board game, and they tried to mash it up. 
And at the time, I was incredibly critical of that. Felt like it was not a good match. I like the game. This, In particular, this game is Puppet Wars. Mm -hmm. I like the game. I enjoyed playing it, but I felt like it was not there yet. Well, it and was that it was before its time. I now I can look back and say it was clearly before its time. I think later on, but but there were there were issues, and one of the issues I had with it was it's a miniature game and a board game, and people aren't going to buy into both sides. Ethereum came out only a little while after that. I would say Ethereum was also probably about a year before its time. However. Never had those complaints yeah. about Ethereum. But if Never. You at, like, it meshed so well. well. But if you look at Cool Mini or not, this is their business model. Right. Yeah. Just only lately have they actually started to make stuff that doesn't involve right. miniatures and board games like Xeno Shift. Right. And, you know, some of their other smaller games that they're starting to release. Well, and that's the thing. Like and, Ethos and, and stuff And they did like it that. about a, a year. Be, you know, they did it about a year before all that stuff started up. Yeah. And, I mean, the game, I, I've thought it's been amazing from the beginning. Let's talk about value for a minute. Um, the retail price of the starter box is eighty. It's about ninety bucks. Ninety bucks. Ninety bucks. But let's talk about what you get in. Yeah, well, and that's oh, what yeah, I was going to yeah, get yeah, to. No. So, okay. but hold on. So, an average big box board game today is eighty to one hundred and ten dollars. So you're paying the same amount, hmm. or one hundred and twenty if you're GW. Don't, don't okay, two hundred and fifty. Don't look at Gloomhaven or Kingdom Death. It's no. It's no, but well, don't yeah. Kingdom of Death doesn't count. That's that's a whole that's I mean, a boutique Gloom, game. Gloomhaven's one ten. Gloom, Gloomhaven's one ten. No miniatures. It, it has a couple it has miniatures. miniatures. It has twelve yeah. miniatures in it, so, I think. But here's the or thing. something around that. So okay. at ninety bucks in this box set, what do you get? Uh, you get a lot of things. So you get um, how many? Start, you get a neoprene models. mat. Yes. You okay. Get a, let's mat. start off that. Yep. So you're putting a mat down. Okay, and then on top of the mat, you get your tiles. Mm-hmm. Okay, which this is your your cardboard. Very nicely illustrated, yes. I think. You get a ton the of them. The art is fantastic. Yeah. Um, they're well finished. There's no warping in them mm. that I've seen, um, which unfortunately now, you can't say that about a lot of other big companies. And let me just point this out. You saw my tiles in my box that we played with tonight, and you saw Ben's. When did you buy yours, Ben? Uh, I bought mine probably nine months ago or something. Right. Uh, well, it's six months ago that started being carried in the store. You bought it at the store, right? Yeah. yeah. But so so my, six months six ago. Months, yeah. I bought mine three or four years ago. Go. Could you tell the difference between our tiles and mats? No, I could. <laughs> the yeah. sad thing is, is there's some big companies that release stuff on Kickstarter. You pop that stuff out of the box, and it starts to warp within the half an hour. Comes out of the it box. comes out of there. Yeah. Now Once this, it comes out of the shrink wrap, but not this stuff. Solid. Yeah. Um, you also have the tokens, which are the same type of uh, materials the, as the schemas. So they don't warp. They, they're they very resilient against chipping. So 44 tokens. Yes. Uh, also known as a crap load. Yep. <laughs> uh, command consoles. It's a, uh, it's a command console. We didn't, see, it's funny. Oh, wow. We all That's progressed wild. tonight and didn't even play with them. Now, I, the command consoles aren't required, but That's they are highly, highly yeah, recommended. Is that it, right? If you're yeah. going to use it. Yeah. And it, it was kind of funny. Now, so I will be honest. So so what it does is it gives you places to put all your 
uh, console damage cards, which we didn't talk about, but we'll make that in a future episode. It gives you a place to put all your programs. gives you a place to track your RAM, track, track your recalibrations. Um, it's this nice console. It's a nice tableau yeah. mm-hmm. to play from. So tonight was the second time ever I have played without one. So you can play without one, yeah, and they oh, give yeah. you a little card that led you. But yeah, so tonight was the second time ever I have not used the, the console. So, I don't think I've, I've. No, I've actually played two games where I didn't use it, and I still look forward to using. Oh yeah, I like because it. it just makes everything very organized. Yeah, forty-four tokens, fifty-three cards. Yep, mm-hmm. twenty-seven individual models. Very nice models. Now, most people would say, and let me give you the average pushback. Oh, man, this really sucks. You mean my best intro to the game is a $90 two-player starter set, and I'm sure the stuff you give me isn't competitive because <laughs> starter sets, especially two-player starter sets, are never competitive. Right, Hacktivist? So, like, what else am I going to have to buy right off (laughs) to even be viable? Okay, so I have run just the models in that box many times, (laughs) and it works really, really well together. So I play, you know, the Nanime most of the time, and the Mask, he is super good. You also get Tov. He is probably, a lot of people consider him, you know, top echelon of their uh, subroutines that they, or their uh, functions that they have. Um, You also get... um, The Riot Girls. Uh, you get yeah. Riot Girls, which are up there. You get uh, what, Tinder. Tinder. Oh, I yeah. use them you all the time in uh, scenario or scenarios that are for yeah. capturing. You also get the Picketers, which I use all the time. So if you look at the starter box, that is the models probably that I use the most are the ones from the starter box. You know, I, I take the other ones that they have in the expansion boxes to pepper and flavor, but so, a lot of those models are... So the, here's the thing. A starter game... Is an avatar a function and a subroutine? Mm-hmm. A full game is an avatar, two functions, two subroutines. This box gives you, for each faction, an avatar, two functions, two subroutines, mm-hmm. and they're actually pretty damn good yeah. choices. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, they're they are like it's not like they give you disparate stuff. They work well. together. They yeah, they give you a good flavor for the factions. So, so what it basically gives you is enough to start with, and then if you want to expand, you have two more avatars you can buy per faction. You have, and uh, I want to say it's three or four more functions per faction. Actually, they do a really good job of, so you can buy individual models. That's great. Or you can buy they new box sets, yeah. And the boxes are just kind of like, avat- they're usually avatar. Two functions, two, functions, two subroutines. Which is just like, these work well together. You, these are the ones you should be running together if you want to run this. So you can literally go out and go, oh, well, I don't like either of these factions, but I really want to have everything for House of Karu. And you pick up three boxes and you have now every model from House of Karu. And the biggest change to that is you need somebody locally to have picked up the starter box so that you get a couple of core things. The mat, the schemas, and the... Uh, oh, that's somebody in a chair plugged into the... No, theory. I'm actually looking to see if they actually have schemas for sale now. Uh, they do have schemas they for do. sale now. You can Ooh. buy separately on the website. Uh, the big thing that you're missing is the mat, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and you do need the mat. It's a 30 by 30 mat. So, but, um, and the dice. And the dice. And the dice. But here's the thing. If you actually catch these guys at Gen Con or at Adepticon, and you ask them very nicely, very nicely. Very, very nicely. Sometimes they will accommodate you for where you want to go. But I would say this. John, or, see, Convy went out and actually bought his stuff separately. But let me ask you, John, and you, Benjamin, is this worth it even if you only want to play one of the factions? Is the $90 of the box worth it if you're not going to play both factions? So I would say it's worth it because one thing we didn't mention is it also comes with the rule book as well, and it is a very nice... 108-page rule book. Yeah, has... Has full fluff color. in it, you full know, color. full color, beautiful illustrations. The, We're talking the, the rules. full color oil paintings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not just full color, you know, hey, I, right. I, I did a pen and ink sketch and then colored it in comic book style. Oh, no, yeah. these are full art. Speaking of which, the ResX guy was at Gen Con on their artist alley, um, basically doing like all the art that he does. And somebody, thank you, Vic. Got me the Resex <laughs> book signed by the artist who That's did awesome. the work in it. Like I was saying, yeah, I I think it is, um, as somebody who I have mostly only used Axiom uh, when I'm doing a demo game, uh, when the uh, somebody wants to play as an anime, I still think that... You'll find the comfort of falling in line soon. <laughs> But I do. You'll I, enjoy your freedom, <laughs> right? Did we just talk about that? <laughs> but no, no. Like I said, when I was on, at, for a while, I was only playing the anime. I I did not feel like I had lost value or something like that. I feel the box is even if you just want one faction, it's still a fantastic value. Yeah, but well, there's the other basic thing too. Of right now, it's a small game. Um, if you buy the starter, somebody's interested in it. You always yeah. have a have a vehicle you can go ahead and teach them because you've got two factions right there, you know. I I agree. I now I've been all in from the beginning, so I'm very biased. Um, so that is what it is. I bought it piecemeal from him because I asked very very nicely. I actually wish I had bought the base box. There you go. There you go. Uh, closing thoughts on Ethereum. If you are a miniature gamer, or if you're a board gamer, you'll love this game. If you don't play board <laughs> games and you don't play miniature games... You should try the game. I don't know why you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, but welcome. Go buy this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's fantastic game. It has many different flavors that you can play as, and, uh, and they'll have more. And they'll have more. And I would say don't be intimidated by the idea that it's models. You might have to build them. There's very little assembly in the, uh, in the second new, edition yeah. version of it, which is what you get now. And you say second edition, but just to go back and be clear, it's not really a full second yeah. edition. What it is is they did a relaunch of new molded models. Yeah. Like nothing else changed. They just The rules and the stat cards didn't change. Right. Yeah. So. so actually the other thing is is that a lot of these Kickstarter games I'm very scary about because I'm I'm like – I don't want to do it because I don't know where it's going to go after the Kickstarter. They did a Kickstarter for their game. They did a Kickstarter for House of Karu. They didn't need one for Resex. They didn't need one for Romex. Yeah. The mm-hmm. company is going to be around. 
Well, there's a lot of folks saying, you know, listen on Kickstarter, it, you get a lot of you get a lot of stuff. Um, there's the initial launch, and then there's all these extras that you get. But how much playtesting really went into all the extra stuff that that went in? Um, and and this is definitely doesn't follow that model. You know, there is no Kickstarter exclusives that they that they did for this, right, Bill? There's some variant models. Uh, there's no exclusives. Here's the thing. So I'm, I'm going back to look. Um, estimated delivery 2014 successfully. So this was yeah, their Kickstarter for the base game was successfully funded May of 2014. They were actually a reliable delivery when I interviewed them then and I said okay so we have this all blah 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 we see what we're getting in the box for the Kickstarter what what are you actually going to launch for retail and Brian said what do you mean the, the starter box I said no 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 like, like I know that's what we're getting from the Kickstarter but what are you going to release in retail and he went the, the starter box and I went, I'm confused. And then he went, and as a matter of fact, uh, we found out that it makes sense with the cost to just do the neoprene mats. So there won't be any difference. All the starter boxes will have neoprene mats in retail, too. And I went, I, do you guys not know how to run a company? Yeah. <laughs> like, Can you talk to some other companies that we deal with? And, and it is. It is the same starter box. That has been out all the way along. So so when you look at people that complain, oh, you get all this extra value in Kickstarter. Oh, there's all this stuff that was not playtested. No, no. They kickstarted what they were putting out, and they put out what they said. Period. Yeah, and, and we've sat down and talked to them at Adepticon. We've literally had hours of conversation standing at their booth talking about And these, they're not like, oh, yeah, we made a game. Cool. Um, we like the game. Uh, no, these guys are passionate about this game. They're well, geeks. They're gamers. Well, they're geeks about their own stuff, too. Oh, yeah. So, it, it's it's actually fun talking to them, because they start off with, so, uh, yeah, we made this game, and uh, we, we've been doing this, and uh, and then, like, a half an hour into, they're like, no, no, seriously, you got, we, we're going to make this model, and it's going to be beautiful, <laughs> and it's like, you, we God, we cannot wait for you to see it. They've shown us concept art. Like, this is a piece of artwork that's inspiring us to do this. Yeah. And we looked at it and went, oh, that's yeah, amazing. That's, that's scary. And I really don't want to see it. But I can see where you are going to have fun making a model kind of off of this. So I did go look. And there was a Kickstarter exclusive model. It's an alternate pose of the log, yeah. log shot. Okay. <laughs> right? So if you look... At my long shot, John, it's a Kickstarter exclusive. But your long shot is just a different pose. Okay. All right. <laughs> but none of the stats have changed. No, no not at all. Same card. Mechanically, it works the same. You just have yeah. a different cast. Right. Exactly. And, and like I said, I really wish I actually got the two-player box um, because I, I've been painting up certain people's miniatures uh, for their demo box. <laughs> And I was like, well, I'm just going to paint the mask today. It, it's pretty easy. I'm just going to get take care of that. Eight hours later, I was just like, oh, and I've just finished the avatar for Axiom. 
and I did it way higher than I wanted to. Like I got really yeah, sucked into panic, sucked into the models. So when I say you're a, oh you're a miniature gamer, yeah they're they're okay. So I really want to say if you're playing board games that have miniatures, check this out. That's great. It's a board game that has miniatures. This is a miniature game that's also a board game. There, it's right dead center in the middle. So it's not like oh yeah. Gloomhaven, the heroes are, have miniatures, everything else is cardboard. No, like, this entire thing is, it's a miniature game. And it's fun to paint, it's fun to play. Well, and not to scare people, it. it's a miniature game with all the benefits of a board yeah. game. So. I don't have to worry, oh, actually, one of our guys came up with the best thing is, so you know how you have tape measure creep? I put my tape measure out, and suddenly they move it just a little never bit further. Happens. Or, you know, you play somebody. It never they're... happens. Yeah, it never happens. Did but... you not notice that I microwaved my uh, neoprene mat? Oh, that's really? <laughs> <laughs> so, the game, it's almost impossible to have that. Because you have grits. And so, it's like, you're not limited by it. It's actually more freeing and makes the game more fun than going... Yeah, yeah, you just did a charge that was supposed to be yeah. six inches, and you went six and a half. Good for you. And all the rules for the terrain are there on the board. On the board. Yep. There is no doubt of when you transition from rough terrain to no, you yeah, know, to open ground and what you can and what you can't see through. That's all defined. Yeah. It, oh, there. It, am I in cover because I'm completely within it, or am I not completely within it because I'm just like a little sliver out? No, it's like. No, it's there's a symbol on that square. Boom, that's done. Yep. There's no ambigu- ambig- ambiguity. ambiguity. That's the word I was looking for. But in anime, no ambiguity very well. The, mm. the, 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 <laughs> the, the, uh, I also love the axiom. Uh, <laughs> the axiom. I think that is it. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me tonight. Oh, well, thank you for having thank me. You. Yes, thank You're you. You're welcome Bill. back. Regularly. Regularly. I, I, I don't understand. 